does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. All right, welcome in. It's uh, is my camera off? We'll fix it. Don't worry about it, Mark. We'll fix it. Uh, rough start this <laughs> this morning. Not for the Pacers. They're winners. I complimented Kevin Bowen's uh, pullover today. I like that. I'm gonna have to steal that from you at some point. Uh, a very good morning to you. It's the wake up call here on this Tuesday. Pacers. Colts gonna be out of town in the next couple days. Rick Carlisle got win number 900, and the thing he wanted to do more than anything, he got win 900, and he'll be on with us at. 8 o'clock this morning. Uh, Kevin Mark, a very good morning to you. How's everyone doing? Uh, I'm doing great on this Tuesday morning. Another really nice day weather-wise, so I certainly saw a few more cars out this morning for Election Day, so for those heading out to your respecting poll positions, uh, sounds like the month of May (laughs) with that phrase there, a very nice weather day for that. So Yeah, college basketball back in earnest last night. Yeah, big seven-point win for your team. How about that? Yeah, it was a struggle for a while. It's going to be a long uh, season. With Niagara, but we've got Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, sure. and he certainly played like that last night in Marcus Burton. Well, you know that Niagara team, they're just an old team. It's like Tom Izzo. He was worried about James Madison because they're such an old team. That was fantastic. I, I believe eight transfers for Niagara if we want to keep on going down this path. Greg Paulus, by the way, the Niagara head coach there. Yes, Michigan State loses last night as a top five oh. team at home to James Madison. Again, Purdue absolutely thrashing Samford. Butler, uh, a very un-Butler-like 39-point win based off what we saw last season from Thad Mata's bunch, but a very new-look team. The Indiana will get started tonight. They've got Florida Gulf Coast coming up at 6.30. It kind of has one of these feels, Andy. We haven't really had, I think, this day yet here in the calendar year, at least in the last few months. But it's like more of a basketball-centric morning, to me at least. And I think that's what happens when, obviously, the college basketball world gets underway last night. And the Pacers put up a franchise record, <laughs> 154 points last night. 52, excuse me. Uh, TJ McConnell dribbling it out there at the end. As I think a lot of fans wanted them to go for 154. I, I feel like we're going to say it so often this year, but I'm just so bullish on this team's depth. I'm just so bullish on Buddy Heald and Aaron Neesmith as like legit Six and seventh guys that frankly could start for the vast majority of NBA teams. And then I think Andrew Nemhard and Jalen Smith both have given you, you know, nice minutes. Jalen Smith has probably been one of the more pleasant surprises here a few weeks into the season. So that's how you respond from a disappointment on Saturday. Uh, that's how you take care of business of a bad team. Uh, and now the Pacers will round out their five game homestand coming up. Wednesday and Thursday with Utah and Milwaukee. Okay, so you know how like when a baby's being born or something like that, or the like people who are like terrible people will do will do this about death, like when celebrities are gonna die. You know, like the squares, like wins wins uh, such and such. Like if me and my wife have another baby, like is it gonna be born on you know July nineteenth or something like that? We need to come up with a day that we think either the Pacers or their opponents are not going to score one hundred points in a game. People do this with, with celebrities oh, dying. Oh, they do it all the time with celebrities dying. Yeah, I don't do that. They predict celebrities' death? Yeah, they're sick and twisted people. This is Celebrity listen, death match still going on? No, it's no, not. That was but a great I, show, though. Yes, that was totally... Uh, I, Mark, I can see that being right up your alley oh. more so than just about anyone else. Middle, just, middle of the like wrestling... like. <laughs> 
Yeah, Zenith. Yeah, who was right up, who, right who was the uh, it was the ref. tremendous artwork? Mills Lane. Mills Lane. That's let's it. get it on. Let's get it on. Tremendous artwork uh, for that one. <laughs> Does anybody not score 100 points in today's no, NBA? I just I'm wondering will there ever be like a 98? That's all I'm like, asking from either the Pacers or their opponent. I got no problem. I love what I'm seeing. Uh, last night, handing Greg Popov- uh, Popovich that spanking. The Spurs roster, obviously, besides Victor, is not very good. I mean, like Keldon Johnson's okay. Right before we went on the air, and Mark said, "Hey, your mic or uh, hey, your, uh, your your camera's not working." We were talking about Charles Bassey, <laughs> who had a nice game, I guess, off the bench last night. I don't know. Like, will the Will they score 98 points in a game, the Pacers? When will that happen this season? You know, it was funny listening to Rick Carlisle last night describe 152 points, tying the franchise record. 86 points in the first half, tying the franchise record. Yeah. And he totally downplayed it. He, he was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of where the NBA's at. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where almost how we'll look at like Matthew Stafford's Hall of Fame resume or Matt Ryan's Hall of Fame resume. It's like, well... Rule changes have all of a sudden meant that the days of 78-74 Pacers-Pistons Eastern Conference semifinals, those days are long, long gone. Nonetheless, 152 still, though. Still is a big, big number. And again, quite the response from Indiana last night. Uh, I thought Obi Toppin, if you're going to single anybody out, he got the assignment of Victor Webinyama. Webinyama did have uh, a 3 of 12 night, the worst shooting night of his NBA career. A 13 points, the second lowest total he has scored. Again, I wasn't there, Andy, but you know that's the first time I've really watched him for four quarters. It is two things: the length defensively of like when guys realize that he is the opposition. It's like, oh my gosh, I've got to contort my body. I've got to like Turner one time drove at him, and next thing you know, Turner's throwing up like the spinny left-handed layup. I'm like, I've never seen Miles Turner attempt a shot like that. Uh, in his NBA career, that's the first thing that probably stands out is just what he makes you do when you realize he is the uh, defender for you. And then offensively, it still amazes me. And again, he was 3 of 12 last night, so he didn't shoot it great. It amazes me at that size, no matter how kind of awkward it might look, all of a sudden a 7'5 dude can get it into a shooting position where it looks like it's going in every time. KB. No matter where he is on the floor. Durant used to be the alien. We used to look at Kevin Durant, and then more guys started to be able to kind of not do what he does because he's a Hall of Famer, but kind of, you know, whether it be a slender guy or a tall guy. And, like, Victor, I, I'm not sure he's a human being. Like, I'm not – I need I need some sort of DNA verification. Planet? How many planets yeah, are there? I need, I need like, a doctor – I need a, a bunch of doctors from prestigious universities all over the world, not even in this country, not in France. I need them from everywhere. Do you understand? I need a Canadian doctor. Who was the doctor that we talked about for three days around here who ended up did, – did he ever – he didn't even do the surgery on um, on our guy, Anthony Richardson. Remember the guy? Yeah, that Tony was, was that long. No. <laughs> Uh, Keith uh, Keith Meister, right, or something like that. The Rangers guy. I'm going as Tony Footlong for Halloween next year. But like, I need I need DNA verification. I feel like you know they put those cameras on surgical equipment. Uh, equipment. I need I need them to put a camera on if he ever has like a knee injury or something to just confirm that he is made of blood, bones, and cartilage. Right? How many he, tendons does he have in that body of his? He doesn't look. It, it just him on the court is. 
hilarious to see. And then he handles it, and you can totally, like, you can just tell by looking at him, even though he wasn't good last night, and he played uh, like 38 minutes a night before in the overtime game, and the Spurs did not have it. But that's fine. You pound him, you move on, you feel good about the win. Number 900, again, Wolf Carlisle coming up here in the 8 o'clock hour, but... I don't know, man. I, I'm just I'm looking at him, and you can tell you can tell there is an absolute hell of a player in the next few years that's going oh, to be developed. It's unbelievable, without question. Um, but again, I think you know, shout out to Obi Toppin, who I think has had a little bit of a slow start, or just kind of unsure exactly. No, he has. You know where that fit is with you know this starting five and the new team, and it's a contract year form, et cetera, et cetera. Not only does he score 19 last night, he gets the Webinyama defensive job and really I thought did a fine job on him and he obviously probably offers your most length lateral quickness obviously a high level of athletic ability and you're only going to see Victor one more time this year but I am curious you look at Thursday night you know Bruce Brown is thought of as the defensive stopper I don't think you want Bruce Brown on Giannis coming up on Thursday I mean that is a big height differential in that matchup I would guess Obi Toppin gets that assignment and that's one of those things Andy like the Bucks, and again, they have been a great NBA team over the last handful of years. They have absolutely dominated the Pacers in these head-to-head matchups. And it's a division opponent. You see them four times out of the year. The Pacers have had no answer whatsoever for um, for Giannis. And so, you know, Toppin, is that something that we're going to see now when you get into the Milwaukee-Indiana matchups? That might be his value. He's not a, right. big, he's not a big scorer. No, I, I just don't think that's going to be, be him. fair, I don't think you're asking him to be that sure. either. Uh, but I think that is something to keep an eye on Thursday night. Again, it'll be the Utah Jazz inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse tomorrow night, and then Milwaukee to round out that five-game homestand. Let me ask you this. If you were going to ask Rick Carlisle, and maybe you were planning to, and I, I just kind of had thought about it, and there's there's good and bad with this team uh, you know, already. There's some good wins. Last night was fun. Friday was fun. Uh, you go back to um, you, you go back to Saturday, not so fun. Uh, and so consistency is one thing. What would be the question we need to formulate for Matherin for Carlisle? Yeah, I think it's... What com- is it? Yeah, I know Rick talked about this before the game last night, and I think it's really... Frankly, I think it's kind of complicated because they're asking him to do so much different from what his role was last year. His role last year was second unit, lead guy, score. Yeah, go to the bucket. Score right. and attack, score and attack. Now, this year, he's playing with Halliburton in that starting lineup. Um, it's a little bit more of facilitate. You know, you get a very important defensive assignment pretty much night in, night out. And, you know, he has, I think, just struggled in fully kind of, maybe not grasping it is the right word, um, but it's a little bit outside of his strengths and outside of probably what he was asked to do at Arizona and, you know, even what he was asked to do as a rookie. So, yeah, I, I do think it's a great question to throw Rick's way. Uh, because last night he did struggle a little bit scoring it early on in the third quarter as they really just kind of put the game on ice. He had a couple of kind of Matherin-type plays, but you know you can point to some of these games this year where you love the assist numbers. I mean, four, five, six assists, those are numbers he never even sniffed last season. That is a step in the right direction, but still, two weeks into it, I am curious what Rick's answer 
will be on that end. Yeah, Carlisle uh, coming up at 8 o'clock. 239-1070, hanging out on the wake-up call. Uh, one other thing as Indiana gets back in, so we need to talk, I guess, IU basketball expectations. I did watch, and by the way, every single game last night, college basketball-wise, outside of Michigan State, was a dog of a game. So everyone who played, whether it be Purdue, San Diego State, um, I don't know why I went to San Diego State, Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, Marquette, they all won. Illinois all won by big numbers. Michigan State, the only loser. But you know how my college basketball... lost. Oh, did they? Who did they lose to? Uh, not... The Sweet 16 <laughs> Princeton Tigers. Okay, well, there you go. Uh, you know, Nova won. St. Mary's beat somebody by the name of Stanilos State. 107-28. The only reason I bring that up is, so a lot of the, the games were dogs, and obviously, uh, Purdue was up big, and Purdue won, and they're up 30, you know, 40 points, and it was it was fine. Like, you, you expected it. But did you see the beginning of the Purdue game? game by any chance this is yeah, how my I, college basketball season started Sanford had the little dude go out there and uh, he, he didn't even jump Dallas yes okay so Dallas Graziani is 5'8 a buck 40 he looked like a Graziani and he looked like a he looked like a Graziani and b he looked like he was absolutely 5'8 okay and he was going to jump against Edie and that was the perfect image to start the 2023-24 college basketball season. And then I got to call Dallas Graziani. He's got to be a little bit. He's got to give us a jump there, right? I know. He doesn't no, even yeah. jump. I mean, come on, man. It's gutless. Hey, I, I thought that was a pathetic effort. <laughs> I mean, hell, just hit hit Edie in the stomach. Yeah, jump up against him. Come on. Like you're doing doing it for the bit anyway. If you're doing it for the bit, go all the way with the bit. 1,000%. Right? 98-45, Purdue over Samford. I thought I heard that Samford actually won their conference last season. Isaac they won over 20 games. 16-11. and 11. Uh, Purdue was up 20-1 to 1 at one point. Uh, it's certainly next week, Xavier and then Maui for Purdue. It'll toughen up pretty quickly for the Boilermakers. Again, Butler wins by 39 last night. IUPUI over Spalding. Yes, they did. To get college basketball started yesterday in that 11 a.m. tip. And uh, again, tonight at 6.30, our coverage, uh, I guess it's not even up on the board. I assume it's on WIBC. Uh, Indiana and Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast coached by a former Big Ten head coach. You want to take any stabs at that? Oh, goodness. I should know this. Oh, I should know this. I'm embarrassed. Fiery sideline demeanor for this man. <laughs> Don't they all have that? By the way, their point guard, I know he's a little banged up. We'll see if he plays tonight. Isaiah Thompson, the Zionsville Purdue product now. Oh, who is it? Florida Gulf Coast for this one. Uh, Patrick Chambers. Oh, God. Okay, there you go. Do we call him a legend, Penn State legend? <laughs> You've had Penn State in front of you. Do I have to call him Patrick? I was just going to call him Pat. Pat I forgot, Chambers. I forgot all about Pat Chambers. Okay. Pat Chambers. With good for him. Florida Gulf Coast. So we'll talk. Certainly a lot of college basketball on today's show. Again, Michigan State losing last night to James Madison. They're having a great year in football, right? The yeah, they're Dukes always good. James yeah, they're always good in football. They made they're like a D two team that could play D one, and they moved up a couple years. What two years ago, right? So sec- this is their Pat second Kuntz's. or third year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then the Colts, uh, they have got a little bit of a banged up injury report heading into uh, Germany again today. Is their off day? Uh, they will be here through Thursday. I will actually chat with Melanie Lowe, one of their football operations uh, staff members, who's really kind of spearheaded the effort to travel to Frankfurt, Germany for the game. It is quite the endeavor. So I always feel like these international trips, it's kind of interesting to hear that side of it. And Andy, it's one of those things where Tuesday can be a popular roster move day 
in the NFL. Yeah, what do you do? I, I would have a feeling if the Colts make a roster move today, the first question you might ask said player, like yesterday they worked out Sammy Watkins. Yeah. I, I would say the first question you ask him is, is your passport ready to go? Like, in all seriousness, I would think that is one of the first questions. Yeah, like Sammy Watkins. You would ask. You know, Sammy He's probably Wa- played overseas well, in his n- NFL n- career. Not, not, not only that, I mean, you can, Sammy Watkins made some cash in the league. You know he's been taking Mexican vacations and going to Greece and going to a bunch of other cool places. By the way, does that worry you at all? Working him out, doing due diligence in, Katie, uh, in case of Josh Downs? Yeah, it, it's odd because I don't think of Sammy Watkins at all like a Josh Downs-style wideout. I forgot all about him. Uh, that yeah. too. I, I kind of just assumed he was retired. But, you know, this Josh Downs knee injury, I mean, it's something that, you know, clearly has been there this offseason. He was a little banged up in the spring. So you wonder if you look at the bye week next week, Andy, and if you just think, you know what, might just be best if we rest Josh Downs after he exited that win over Carolina early on. So we'll chat about that as well. Again, good Tuesday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. Rick Carlisle at 8 o'clock. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, your morning check down. Reminder, Rick Carlisle will join us coming up at the top of the hour, and we can start there. Win number 900 for Coach Carlisle, 152-111, your final last night in GameBridge. Here's Coach post game on all the wins. Just really grateful for our team, um, for our ownership. You know, a lot of great players over the years. Um, told Pop after the game, you know, I'm very grateful for him. He was a mentor to me before I got a head coaching job. And uh, when I was here as an assistant, I, I didn't get the job after Larry left. And uh, Pop called me up and, and um, invited me to come down to San Antonio's training camp for, he said, come down, watch the practices, travel with us, you know, tell me what you think, you know. And it was just, it was a, it was a big confidence builder for me. And uh, he's, been, he's been wonderful to so many uh, young coaches. I'm not so young now, but um, so I really appreciate him. And uh, so, you know, it's been a it's been a good run, and and got to move on to tomorrow. Okay, nice night for Obi Toppin. Not only 19 points for him, but he also got the Victor Webinyama assignment and held the rookie to a season worst, 25% from the field. Three of 12 was Webinyama. He did have 13. 15 and 10 in his lone appearance at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Should give a shout out to Isaiah Jackson. Only the second Ooh, time he's block? Pl- only the second time he's played this season. I mean, that had to be because of Victor's length, right? Yeah, got Just in, to throw another guy in there. I think a little foul trouble, but got in early and uh, made a nice presence felt there. Again, Jazz and Bucks coming up Wednesday, Thursday as the Pacers round out this homestand. All right, last night in West Lafayette, the number three team in the land, the Boilermakers of Purdue, 98-45 over Samford. Zach Edie, 16 and 11, four guys in double figures. Obviously, very balanced last night for Purdue. Here was Matt Painter on the season opening victory. Everybody was ready to play. I think it's hard sometimes in shorter minutes for guys to, you know, to get a feel for things. But obviously, we shot the ball well, and I thought our guys played really hard. And um, a little bit different for us in terms of like the way they mix things up and uh, different defenses, kind of different presses, and, and just mix. Um, their looks up. So we just had to move the basketball. 
Yeah, I want to talk about this later. I went through, and I've done this with like four or five different publications. I mean, the amount of people, I, I feel like Purdue fans aren't picking their team to go to the Final Four, but every analyst is. <laughs> I mean, this like is the, literally everybody's picking Purdue to be in the Final Four. It's the most challenging fandom year Everybody. you will ever see for Purdue fans right it now. It really is. Uh, other scores, Kentucky won by four. Again, all these teams won big. Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, Marquette, UConn, Houston, Tennessee. Go right down the line. Arizona, Miami, Arkansas, AM. The only team that stumbled last night, Big Ten, we care. Uh, Michigan State losers. I mean, Michigan State, talk about a Final Four. Number four team in the country. They lose to James Madison at home, 79-76. see that right? Their first home November loss since 1986. Well, you think you play a couple easy ones, and then they play the Champions Classic, so even if they yeah, lose that, I, that's in Chicago or here in Indy. I guess they would have had. Uh, sure. I mean, Michigan State I know. usually challenges themselves in the non-conference more than others. I would have assumed that they would have had one slip-up in November in the last, you know, nearly 40 years. Again, Butler over Eastern Michigan last night, Notre Dame over Niagara, and again, Indiana and Florida Gulf Coast. I think I saw Indiana favored by about 11 in that one, so that's pretty small for um, a mid-major opponent. Uh, All right, last night, Monday Night Football, a pretty blah game. Chargers over the Jets. What was the finals? At 27? 27-6. I knew Mark was going to be here because it's the Jets, baby. You got to have them on TV. 27-6, your final. Zach Wilson. Did you guys see, by the way, the standalone games coming up in Week 10? Mm -hmm. So Week 9 was a really great (laughs) slate. I think we all could agree on that. So your standalone window here coming up this week. Nothing says Thursday night football like Bears and Panthers. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but I love this. The number one overall yeah, pick. Yeah, but I'm uh, listen, I'm a fan of a crappy team too now, okay? So I this game matters a hell of a lot to me who wins between the Panthers okay. and the Bears, well, okay? If you want crappy football, okay, Bears and Panthers Thursday night. How about Sunday morning Colts Patriots? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, how about Sunday night football Jets Raiders? Uh-huh. And how about Monday night football Broncos Bills? Well, even Giants Cowboys Fox 4 25 has 37 to 4 or 4 goodness 37 to 6 written all over it eight teams in the standalone windows and none of them are in the playoffs right now yeah, the, the worst bro- thing was that NBC had the opportunity to flex out of Jets Raiders and they and they didn't and it's like what are you what are you thinking you have Browns Ravens right there you got Niners Jaguars Antonio Pierce versus Robert well, Saleh br- the Broncos too Broncos Bills is fine but then the Broncos Vikings is the next week on Sunday Night Football and that's staying put as well and that's a stinker. Josh Dobbs yeah. versus whatever the Broncos are throwing out there and Russell Wilson. NBC needs to utilize their flex scheduling and f- and use it now, damn it. For God's sake. But see, Colts Patriots, you know what? They got they got our good stuff. You know I was angry about that. Yeah, they got Dolphins They Chief. got Dolphins Chiefs in what was not a very compelling game. If that's played in the States, there's at least three more touchdowns. Two Mondays from now, you get possibly the game of the year. You get Eagles Chiefs on Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah, that is a juicy one, Ooh. to say the Ooh. least. Uh, all right, on the other side, we'll get back into the Colts conversation. Quite the name that they brought in for a workout yesterday. A former top five pick. It is also the one-year anniversary of uh, one of the more infamous days, I would say, in Colts franchise history, certainly of recent manner. Uh, And some basketball talk here as college basketball season is underway. Indiana gets their season started tonight. That is a 6.30 tip. And obviously, Rick Carlisle going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Again, good Tuesday morning to you for those heading out to vote here early on on Election Day. It is a very nice start weather-wise, so no issues on that end. Thank you for spending it with us. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 on a 7.5 The Fan. 
one thing that didn't make the check down, I figure I'll bring it up before we get to this Colts one-year anniversary, plus some college basketball talk coming up in 15 minutes. Rick Carlisle at 8 o'clock here on the wake-up call. Mark, I'm sure you'll have something to say about this, and I am being starky when I say it, but uh, KB, did you see the Cubs fans falling all over themselves ah, on the hiring the of... Notre Dame legend, of, Craig Council. Craig Council got hired, and uh, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine is a big Cubs fan, playing big boy baseball now was the so term So through that. David Ross just gets fired because they got Craig Council, or would David Ross have been fired no matter what? So I think, I mean, fans were kind of on the fence with David Ross these last couple of years because even though they're in the rebuild, he wouldn't play any of the young guys. Like you had Christopher Morrell, who had a pretty high ceiling, and you're trotting out like Eric Hosmer and <laughs> Trey Mancini, and you got like Pete Crow Armstrong and all these other guys. And like, play the young guys. They're rotting on the bench, and he just he wouldn't do it. So Plus, Council's better, right? Craig Council gets, is a much gets, better man. now. Yeah, the Brewers I, weren't paying him. I saw that news yesterday, and I was stunned. As I didn't know that David Ross was on the hot seat, I heard no rumors that he was possibly leaving. I didn't know Craig Council wasn't coming back to the – Brewers, so how yeah. would you put it into NFL? And I'm putting you on the on the um, hot seat here, I guess. But like, how would you put it in NFL terms? Like a middling NFL head coach gets replaced by. Well, if Brandon Staley got replaced by Jim Harbaugh, that's probably too much. Harbaugh's a star. Council's not a star. He's about, the Brewers' manager. How about Brandon Staley getting replaced by... So David Ross is viewed as that negative... I think Brandon Staley's viewed very negatively. David I don't Ross think he's is that in that ne- light. I, I think, obviously, he's got the he's the World Series hero and all that stuff and everything. But what about just, Ron Rivera? He was following Joe Madden. He was, you know, in the, they're in the middle mm-hmm. of the rebuild. They traded off, you know, all their stars a couple of years ago. So he was in the process of that. Now it seems like they're going for it, and maybe they've kind of, you know, they've done the John, John Ma- uh, the Joe Madden move again where they've hired a pretty highly thought-of manager to... To hopefully take over, and they will start opening the pocketbook like up again. Nick Sirianni for Ron Rivera. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go there, yeah, I think Ross and Ron division, Rivera. Maybe. Yeah, I think Ross and Ron Rivera make a lot of sense, right? Respected guys, but you know you're not going to win. You know the next step with them, which is obviously why Ron Rivera will get fired here in a few months. One year ago today, we got a tutorial on. Well, I guess <laughs> we didn't technically get the tutorial, but a question was posed on how do you make sausage. Uh, we got a. Tell us. Uh, well, again, uh, <laughs> let me see if I can us. dig all. Uh, let me dig through the catacombs. <laughs> I don't know if we actually got into the actual, you know, makings of it. We just were posed with the question. Uh, we got a upper quartile or two comment. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, was it a Chris Boward comparison to Michael Jordan? I think that was a part of the <laughs> Jim Irsay announcement of Jeff Saturday's interim head coach one year ago today. Uh, Frank Reich fired Jeff Saturday hired uh, Andy we had Jeff Saturday you know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed you know how many games Michael Jordan's lost I don't know how to make sausage I don't know what goes into sausage the guy's a winner 365 days later we're Meek Mill dancing it right in the upper quartile of winners we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile that's rare air I love, I love, I love all that sound. Remember the math problem that we did the next morning and trying to figure out the upper quartile of top quartiles of upper quartiles. I just remember that was the, that was the day my phone exploded because I was out at Kroger and I'm like, why is my phone just going off? And I'm like, wait a minute, Frank Reich got fired. Wait a minute, 
Jeff Saturday's the new head coach. We so, just talked to him hey, this morning. Andy, we had Jeff Saturday <laughs> literally had him on, the, on day of? the show at 9.45 no, a.m. Eastern. And at oh, what? and he knew. He 11.15, 11.30. Oh I mean, less than two hours later. Oh, yeah. he was talking to you knowing, hey, you sons of you-know-what. Yes, uh-huh. You have no idea. That your life's changing in 90 mm. minutes. And, and I'm thinking going back on it, and <laughs> ironically, Colts-Patriots was the game was, before uh, exactly. the, the fire. 26-3, so that debacle. Ellinger, 103. Three yards in the game. Ellinger got sacked, if I remember correctly, 37 times in that game. And that was when Jim Ursay from the visiting owner's box of Gillette Stadium <laughs> called Jeff Saturday, who was like, wasn't he out like hunting or like hanging out with his yeah. family outside? Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, Jim, I'm not watching the game. He's like, are you watching this? Can you see what our, what, why is our offensive line so terrible? Well, Saturday's on TV. He better be watching the game. What do you mean he's outside well, with his I, family? I, it's an NFL Sunday, Saturday. Let's go. And so the hell? all of a sudden you have gone from, you know, Parks Frazier, Matt Ryan, and Jeff Saturday to Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, and well, I guess Shane Steichen handles Gardner Minshew. Both. Well, yeah. <laughs> Gardner Minshew. In the here and now. Yes. I'm talking about moving forward here for the future. One year ago today, uh, Frank Reich fired Jeff Saturday as the interim in one of the wilder press conferences you will ever see. Remember Chris Boward's body language during oh, the press he was not having any of it. I mean, he literally looked like Rosie Bowen when I said you've had seven... <laughs> pieces of candy on Halloween night. We're not having an eighth. Oh, I mean, goodness. the scowl. And the, like, I wasn't like the, lo- the, like the Colts didn't hat. even didn't even put up pictures of the press conference because Ballard looks so just mad and and just just pouty. Can, the you, whole give, time. can you give me the uh, the Ursay sound one more time? Oh, which one do you want? No, just, it's, all, it's all yeah, golden just here, me, my friend. Just give me those couple in I a row like again. I the sausage one the best. Yeah, person. me too. In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? The guy's a winner. I'm pretty sure I need to email a couple buddies if, and see if there's any email verification. I think I took the Patriots in like all of my eliminator leagues in on that game. Oh, it was because so Ellinger ugly. was going to play. Yeah. You could so, tell that Frank Reich like was Patriots done. The Patriots did anything offensively no. in that game. Oh, no, they didn't do they anything. Absolutely. So, what was the score? Was it twenty six to three? It was twenty six to three. Mac Jones uh, threw for a buck forty seven. Ellinger threw for one oh three. Stevenson for the Pats ran for sixty yards. I mean, Ellinger had to have been sacked <laughs> close to ten times in that game. He was sacked nine times for yeah. sixty yards. His QBR was eleven. Gosh. Oh man. And I look, I say this in all seriousness. And I don't want to get into a debate of, you know, where the Colts are at four and five and, you know, draft position or, you know, they could get on a run here after the bye week and they could still get in the wild card. Putting all of that to the side, I just think to yourself, if you are a Colts fan, the feeling you have three hundred and sixty five days later from sure. that sure. is such a one eighty. Like you are in and again, I'm not saying this acting like the Colts are gonna win the Super Bowl next year, Andy, but you have got to be in such a better mood, more optimism. Again, with Steichen, with Richard I mean, that was an utter debacle last it was so embarrassing, so disappointing on every level. Again, you were bad, you were boring as hell, and you were old at quarterback. And you had so many questions in regards to your franchise. And now, 365 days later, the arrow is clearly pointing in the right direction. You still obviously have various things to do between now and you know next year, the year after that, to establish yourself as a legit team in the AFC. But finally, you've gotten the franchise down the right path of 
young quarterback decision, and I think a head coach, uh, based off his quarterback background, based off his offensive acumen, he knows what he's doing. It's all about coaching quarterback, and it feels like the Colts, A, have a plan, and B, feel like you have at least half of that locked in with Shane Steichen, and I think you feel cautiously optimistic about the play, but not the health of Anthony Richardson. That's fair, right? I mean, like, those are two very vital things, and they did go out and they did say, hey, we don't know if it's going to work, but here's a plan. And Shane Steichen looks like he is more than competent. And it's not the band-aid plan. Oh, no. I because mean, they had done the Band-Aid plan for three straight years. For three, what? Yeah, three, four years in a row. And and listen, those are also different types of Band-Aids. Phillip Rivers and Matt Ryan are not the same type of Band-Aid, right? I mean, right. one guy still had but something. It's still and Matt a Ryan did. That's not staying on for it more is. than a year. Or it two. is. You're not winning the Super Bowl with that. No. Right. Uh, do, what do you make of the Sammy Watkins working out? Because, yeah. again, to me, he's 30. And he's not a Josh Downs skill set. You know, it's just he's a speed guy. Dude, I mean, that's diligence. what he is. I, I, I've always thought of Sammy Watkins as more of like a taller wideout than five nine Josh Downs. I don't think of Watkins as a shifty slot guy. Well, I mean, does this say they're also not happy about anything Alec Pierce-wise? Is this the best name that is out there? It worries me. Josh Downs, this worries me because, you know, this is a winnable game. Just looking at the numbers this morning, and again, Rick Carlisle in 20 minutes, looking at the numbers this morning, uh, KB, you know, they have... Per ESPN's formula, whatever they use, you know, their game predictor, the Colts right now have a better than 50% chance to win three games the rest of the way. The Patriots, Tampa Bay, and that surprised me. Tampa Bay actually, by the numbers, is the is the best chance to get a win the rest of the season. They've lost four in a row, Tampa Bay. I take that back. The Raiders are the best. And the Raiders, look at their schedule. They have a chance to make a run. So, uh, Bucks, Raiders, and Patriots. And then you look at, you know, the Titans, 43% chance. Steelers at home, a little over 45 and then nearly a 50-50 game ending the season in Houston. Uh, you know, Atlanta, what are they? Atlanta's bad at quarterback. We know they're bad at quarterback. They bench uh, Robinson uh, yesterday. The, the reason I bring it up is, you know, with a guy like Josh Downs being injured, this is one of those games that the Colts can win, and then you take Josh Downs, who to me is a stud. I'm a big Josh Downs fan. I mean, I think, you know, five catches, 95 yards, he can get you into the end zone. He presents problems, and he's just a really solid guy, right? He's just a solid football player, regardless of how gaudy sometimes his numbers are. I I just feel like without Josh Downs, it puts you at a lesser chance to win on Sunday, and winning on Sunday, you know I'm Operation 5-5, and because you win that game. I mean, there's going to be three games games left on the schedule I think you could be favored in and then we start talking about seven eight wins and I think the conversation then could easily bleed into next year you get Anthony Richardson right hell you can win seven or eight without Anthony Richardson for the most part but the down stuff worries me I mean Watkins did play an okay amount last year he played in the playoffs last year as well so I, I mean I don't know he hasn't been out football that long you know the one thing that is different about New England versus Carolina. Both are bad teams. New England is the worst team in the AFC based off their record. They can stop the run. And I think that's where I have just a little bit. I was pretty confident the Colts would beat Carolina. Uh, Didn't think that'd be too much of a struggle for Indy. This one I'm a little different on early in the week. And that is just because New England's the second best run defense in the league. And you saw last week, if it's tough sledding running it against a poor Carolina run defense, that can look like a very, very boring, you know, not very productive day. 
Yeah, but they can't score. Offensively. The Patriots just cannot score. But Outside of that Bills one game. Of these games I know. Where an Isaiah, I know. McGin- Isaiah McKenzie muff is the difference. And, and fortunately for the Colts, you know, you would think some of these low-scoring games, uh, the weapon of Matt Gay, in all seriousness, is huge for this football team. It, it's interesting for me, Andy, to look at, you know, what Sunday could mean leading into the bye week and the difference of 5-5 five and five versus 4-6. and six. Like, to me, it is just monumental. And I know it's only technically one game. But five and five, two game win streak. You get healthy during the bye week. You have again a very, I think, winnable home game against a Tampa Bay team that has not only lost four in a row. If you look at Tampa's schedule, they've got San Francisco right yeah. before Indy. They, so I mean, do you think that's a they game? They have the Titans this week, and then they go on the road to San Francisco, which is a lo- which they're going to lose that game. And, and they're yeah. and they're going to get beat up, and that's a cross country trip. So um, if you look at what four and six would mean, it would mean that it's another AFC loss. You have you know, lost to the worst team in the AFC. Um, it would, I think, just take so much air out of the balloon in, in whatever you want the final seven games to be about. So as I look ahead to Sunday, um, boy, this one just has so much feel. And part of it is the two-week um, nature that comes with entering a bye week of you know, always you know, you're going to react to kind of the most recent performance and, and how you view things for the next you know, X amount of days. Uh, but this one to me is just monumental. In that Plus, regard. you believe in the whole bye week thing. You go into the bye week with a bad taste in your mouth. Yeah. You believe in that? That's a sports cliche. I figured I would ask you. I mean, something like that, but more so, Andy. It would be four and six, another AFC loss, and at that point, unless you run the table, I, you're going to need a world right. of help. Right. The it would become to be a wild. It card would team. become the wins would start to bother fans because it's like, yeah, yo, it would now we're losing. Yeah, then it would be close to mock draft season. Uh, Shane Steichen yesterday on the Colts roundtable did, you know, they asked him, I found it to be an interesting question. We'll talk about it coming up uh, in about 40 minutes at 8.30, kind of all the ins and outs of the Colts going to Germany, kind of the schedule the players will be on. Here's Steichen yesterday. So we're going to leave um, Thursday night on a red eye, um, and we'll get in, you know, at about 7 a.m. on our body time, uh, and try to keep it, try to keep it as normal as possible. You know, when we get over there, so when we land, we'll keep them up. You know, we'll stretch them, we'll do our meetings, we'll do our practice on Friday, uh, and then try to keep them up, you know, Friday uh, as late as possible, and so they can try to stay on that same, t- mm-hmm. you know, time zone as much as possible uh, going into that game on Sunday. And New England's going to do the same thing, by mm-hmm. the way. This is what we saw Kansas City do last week as well. Miami did do the whole week in Germany. They flew out on Monday. Um, so, again, the Colts will have pretty normal Wednesday, Thursday feel to it, as Shane Second said. Red Eye Thursday. That's what they did uh, for London back in 2016 as well. I know it's a little bit of a longer flight to Germany. Again, just a 50,000-seat stadium. Um, so obviously one of the smaller venues. I believe the Colts originally asked for, I think it was like 2,500 tickets. They got less than 1,000. Uh, I think part of that has to do with a much smaller uh, stadium than Wembley, uh, where they played in 2016 against the Jags there. I think uh, tickets were right around like 100 American dollars for the game. What do- it does sound like a good amount of Patriots fans in that part of Europe, which makes sense. You would tend to think that, you know, Hey, let's cheer for a winner, and obviously the Patriots have won uh, more than. Yeah, any now other. they have Mac Jones, so hopefully they all had Over their the Mac Jones jerseys. What do the players want? Do you think? Do they want to be there Monday, Tuesday, oh, and no. get acclimated, no. or do they want to get in there Thursday, stay up, do what they got to do, and get the hell out of I town? Think they want to be there as short as possible. Okay, yeah. Well, I didn't know if they wanted to go drink, you know, 
a pint somewhere or something on <laughs> yeah. a day off or uh, German food. go enjoy some time. Better than the food they have in London, apparently. Totally agree. They asked everybody Bill totally agree. if he's a schnitzel fan yesterday, oh, and the response was about what you would imagine. Uh, Belichick did say I yesterday, I've never had food. In a very candid Belichick matter, that uh, he this would be one of the most, most trying seasons he's ever had. Well, of course, yeah. First time they've been to watch five Matt Jones games play football yeah. under five hundred since two thousand. You know what's bad when he's like, it's, it's, "This is reminding me of when I was a Jets uh, head coach." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, you'd have to go back to the Jets. Uh, quickly, okay, so Rick Carlisle going to join us here. We have about five or six minutes. You want to do a little college basketball sure. talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Indiana in action tonight. Purdue, I think for me, there's two things. I'll give you an item on Purdue. I'll give you an item on Indiana. Purdue last night, winners, and to me... I, I find I find the dance with Purdue is going to be a funny one to watch here up close because so many of their fans are March or bust right now. And, you know, I'm looking through, I think everybody at CBS and just about everyone like at ESPN, a couple of the guys over at Field of 68 and others, so many guys are taking... Uh, and understandably so, Purdue to make the Final Four, and I don't know if their fans feel that way. And I'm so, so I don't know if there's a a fan uh, versus media discrepancy. Usually, fans, uh, you know, they feel like they're not getting enough respect. And Purdue, regardless of the March outcomes, is absolutely getting the respect with Edie and company. So they're picked. Uh, I mean, almost unanimous. It's not unanimous, but it's pretty damn close uh, to go into the Final Four. So that is going to be the dance. You know they're going to win a bunch of regular season games. And then for me, obviously I'm interested in the stars on Indiana and Baco, uh, what he does. Uh, No more Taco Bell for my man McKenzie. What he does. Khalil Ware. You know, some of these five-star big names could be in the NBA sooner rather than later. Uh, And obviously the other thing would be what, you know, are they deep enough at guard? Xavier Johnson, uh, he's you know 32 years old at this point. So uh, to me, Indiana, uh, you know, kind of locked in at like a 10 seed I see in a lot of bracketologies. Go be better than that. Like, can you go be a 6 or a 7? To me, I guess I'm looking for Indiana to maybe do a little bit more than maybe some of the national guys are. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this Indiana team and just what the starting 5 looks like and how it kind of meshes. And I know Woodson obviously is going to play guys like CJ Gunn and Caleb Banks off the bench and they're critical to Indiana. But, I mean, if you look at the starting 5, you mentioned Mbako and Ware. They both have been pretty adamant we're there for one year, and we're and we are going to be lottery picks. Okay, right? Yeah, we'll see. Um, Xavier Johnson, without him, you don't make the tournament a couple of years ago. Granted, you were on the bubble for long stretches of that season because of him as well. I mean, he's such a volatile player, and you know you would think he's going to play you know, thirty six minutes a night. And, and I know Gabe Cups. They really, really like the freshman point guard, but still, Xavier Johnson's going to play a ton. And then the other two guys in the starting lineup, Andy, who is not the all Big Ten caliber point guard and not the future lottery picks, those are the two I'm probably most confident in or most consistent in Trey Galloway sure. and Malik Renew. So it's just a fascinating starting five. And Mike Woodson, I think he's got the pedigree from the NBA of like, okay, I feel like I can kind of mesh together a unit you know, quicker, better than maybe some other coaches. But that is a very... Uh, unique group of five in their individual objectives. Again, the amount of trust you have in a guy like Galloway and Renew. I think Renew is a guy that it is, you know, 14 and 8, 15 and 10, night in, night out. You're high on him. Yeah, you're I, very I think high he's on just him. just a solid 
upper echelon college basketball player for three years. And, and that's that's there's great. No, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. I mean, like, not Trey Jackson Davis level, right. but just that notch below in being kind of that fringe all-Big Ten guy. But again, how does Ware and Mbako, two guys that believe they're lottery picks, but they're not going to dominate the ball because they aren't point guards, they aren't guards, how do they handle that? Like, that, that to me, and Woodson kind of putting all that together, I think will be fascinating to watch. And with Purdue, like Purdue fans, can you enjoy the next few? No, months? they can't. It, it's they've been like, scarred. Are you gonna, are you going to scold? I feel like you're you're getting close to scolding I, Purdue fans, or you want to? No, like part of me is just like a little bit of enjoyment in November and Dece- <laughs> like you're going to go play in Maui. I mean, that is an awesome tournament. That is like great college basketball teams and Purdue fans account and be like, yeah, I don't care. We won in what Portland last year. Didn't they win the Portland tournament? Or maybe that was two years ago now. And Andy, we've said this before. <laughs> you know where Purdue's going to be in the first round of the tournament. Uh, yeah. Right yeah. here. They're going to be, yeah, a mile, right a, mile a mile away. Less than a mile yeah, away. Yeah, half mile away. You two tenths of a mile away. Matt Painter's going to have to drag Purdue fans into the building for that first first round game. They're going to be like, wait, I'm reluctantly right. coming to watch you play a 16 seed here in the opening round. Like so much of this boils down to part of on March eight. Yeah, exactly. March eighteenth. Um, I did think some of the wings last night, like Lance Jones, Cam Heidi, some of the guys are a little a, a little different. And I'm curious the, the type of impact they can make uh, over the course of the season. But honestly, so much of it for Purdue. And I know this is really simpling it down. Just don't piss down your leg. I know. I mean, that's what it was against Fairleigh Dickinson. That needs to be the motto. Like, uh, what is what is Notre Dame football play like a champion today? Like, they that just needs... played scared yeah, I know. in that game. And, and, I know. and scared in guys not wanting to take shots, guys panicking to take shots. There were loose balls on the floor where I was like, I don't want to touch it. Like, you go after it. And that's so un-Purdue-like. But um, I, I think for very different reasons, uh, really interested to see uh, both of these seasons, Purdue and Indiana, and, and, and even Butler, because last year was such a anomaly uh, for that Butler program, and it's kind of trended in that way. Uh, at the end of the Laval Jordan era, last year for Thad Mata, totally rebuilt team. I think uh, seven of their first eight guys last night were transfers, uh, and they win by 39 over Eastern Michigan. Last note on Indiana, they're going to have to figure out a lot in November and early December because, you know, you have the few games in the Big Ten in early December. I mean, Auburn on the can- uh, on the schedule, Kansas on the schedule, UConn yeah. on the schedule. I mean, they're going to have to figure out some things against some of these bad teams. If not, you know, they could pile up four or five losses pretty early if they don't watch out. Again, Florida Gulf Coast tonight for the Hoosiers, 11.5 point favorite. We'll see if Isaiah Thompson, the former Purdue product, uh, Zionsville High School native uh, if he gives it a go for uh, Florida Gulf Coast. A little bit banged up, but uh, he was one of their leading scorers last year. Pat Chambers, the head coach of the former Dunk City, Lob City, Florida Gulf Coast. All right, and then aside, fresh off a win number 900, Rick Carlisle. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I've been doing it for so long and doing it so well, so uh, he's you know, one of the most respected and uh, hard-working guys, and he's been doing it for a long time. So I uh, hope he keeps winning for a long, long period to come. Congratulations. Just very, very grateful. 
we have an amazing group of guys, and we'll see you at 11.30. <laughs> Congrats, Coach. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I... All right, great stuff there. Hour number two, 8 o'clock hour, hanging out with you live in the drive. Hubler.com studios. It's the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton as well. Great stuff there. Win number 900 for head coach Rick Carlisle. 152-111 last night in GameBridge. It's a Tuesday in the 8 o'clock hour. You know, coach joins us. Uh, Coach, good morning. Congratulations. How's everything going? Everything's going fine. It sounds like you guys actually, somebody actually put some work into that thing at the beginning. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very humbled, but uh, good to be with you guys. Uh, it's all about show prep. Shout out it's to like, Mark Dyson yes. on that. Uh, you our producer, you have pr- you have practice, coach. We have show prep. I, you know, I was uh, telling Kevin during the break. It, it seems like you know everyone's giving you a lot of fanfare, and rightfully so, winning now 900 games in the NBA. But uh, I don't know how much you want the attention. I assume you're ready just to kind of move on and get ready for Utah. Yes. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair well enough. said. Rick Carlisle, fresh off of win 900. <laughs> Don't think he was out celebrating too, too late last night. Uh, Coach, I am curious this. I mean, obviously your first win was over two decades ago. Uh, in what ways would you say the game has changed the most since win number one for you, and how has that impacted your coaching? Well, the, the game's changed dramatically. Uh, my first year of coaching was the first year that um, the new NBA rules went into effect. Uh, Jerry Colangelo was in charge of a group that really had autonomy to change the NBA rules to create more flow, to create more ball movement. Um, the game had kind of come to a screeching halt in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, uh, there was a crisis with scoring. And so uh, just generally, the, the two rules that really made the big difference were the defensive three seconds, where you could play zone or you could guard a guy without the ball with two guys, as long as two guys were um, you know, w- within touch distance, and et cetera. And it took – it really impacted um, – the isolation game and the isolation post-up game, which had dominated, you know, much of the late eighties, nineties and late nineties. And so the ball just had to start moving more. And there were a lot of coaches at the time that were skeptical. Um, you know, uh, what Jerry and his group said, look at the grassroots level, um, kids need to learn the skills, uh, aspects of the game more you know we we have too many guys that don't shoot the ball well uh, et cetera et cetera and so you know skeptics abounded um, but uh, Jerry was right and what we saw over the next 20 some years was uh, a dramatic change at the grassroots level of high school basketball aau basketball etc and now you have guys that um you know, pretty much across the board, learn early in their careers uh, that if you can't shoot the ball, um, you're going to have a hard time playing really effectively at the college level, let alone the NBA level. And so the game's gotten faster. Um, You know, analytics came into this several years ago, and 
But the court was never going to get bigger. That was one of the arguments. Well, the court's too small. The players get are bigger. The court's too small. But uh, because of the size of arenas, because of the high revenue seats, court side, the court, the court wasn't going to change. So what had to change was the distance that players operated beyond the basket, and that has changed dramatically. And the best the best example you can, you, you can see of it right now is uh, Victor Wimanyama, who last <laughs> night. I mean, if you were if you were there in person and saw this guy walk out on the floor and saw his really effortless skill set, I mean. That is the essence of today's game, and you got a seven foot four guy that is shooting step back threes and who can put the ball down on the floor and, and, and dribble it like a guard. I mean, uh, man, things have changed. Was there something, Rick Carlisle with us, I want to get to Victor here in a second, was there, you mentioned coaches over the last 20 plus years or so that you've been a head coach with rule changes, you know, some of these coaches are skeptical, right? Was there ever something in the transformation of the game over the last couple decades that maybe you were skeptical about? Not so much, not so much skeptical, um... You know, I, look, my career has been built on a love and respect for the game and a real belief in players' ability to get better regardless of what age they were. I mean, I was super fortunate. You know, I, I was able to work with Tim Gergerich, who is the greatest assistant coach in the history of the NBA, and Pete Newell at Pete Newell's Big Man Camp in Hawaii for, for several years. And that is the ultimate... Um, you know, atmosphere for teaching the game. And um, it was just, it was so reverential to uh, learn, you know, through footwork, how can you help players create shots? How can you help players create advantages? You know, what were, what were the things that unlocked players' ability to uh, perform better and see the game better? And so, I was never really skeptical of it. I I just knew that you know at at some point, um, you know that, that, that this was going to take some time. But at some point, there would probably be um, a big change. You know, and, and, and in fact, sure. I'll give you I'll give you one I'll give you one kind of wacky thing. You know, one day I woke up. I had just gotten the um, Detroit job, which was my first job uh, as a head coach in the NBA, and I had this. You know, and I, and I, you know, I've always had a, a fertile mind for, you know, the game and, and things that might make it better, et cetera, et cetera. And so I was thinking an- analytically, but, but more from a mathematical standpoint with, with the scoring crisis that was happening right around the time that, that Jerry and his group put the new rules together. The thought I had was, hey, look, uh, in baseball, you know, they, they mess around with the height of the mound, you know, you know that things change with the ball from year to year, et cetera. What if there was a small adjustment in the basketball games? Like <laughs> my idea was to make, um, to make the rim a half an inch wider in circumference, which would have made it uh, five point something percent bigger. And immediately you would have had a spike of five point something percent in shooting percentages. But, you know, it's funny. I called Jerry <laughs> and ran the idea by him. <laughs> And he was he was very he was very cordial in, in listening to it. And he said, you know, uh, I'll think about that one. <laughs> but, it, but but really, it was it, it just historically it would have been um, too too big a change. But organically, with the 
changes that he and his group made organically the game adjusted and now it is just such a beautiful fast-paced um an exciting game i mean i i couldn't be more excited to be a part of it yeah you saw that last night 152 111 rick carlisle with us here uh, on the wake-up call on the pay less liquors hotline well let's get to victor Wembignana. uh yeah he walks out there you'll just seen him on tv i can't even imagine up close he makes so many of the other players there was uh, there was a video of him coach up next to like a guy like kevin durant uh and just how much bigger he is so i guess you know he walks out there what do you think of him and his game and then I guess, secondly, in the next few years, what do you think Popovich will develop? How, how will he develop him, do you think? How, how will this guy get better, do you think, in the next couple of years? Well, great question. You know, I, right now, Pop's doing some really interesting things with their team. I mean, Jeremy Solhan, who was drafted as a power forward, I think, a year ago or a year and a half ago, whatever it was, is now their starting point guard. Um you know, Victor at seven four, seven five. If you look at their depth chart, is their four man, uh, and yet you know he walks out to center court for the for the jump ball, and he's walking next to their center Zach Collins, and he looks like he's about a foot taller than Zach Collins. <laughs> and it was just uh, you know, you know, like Spolstra had it right. He said, you know, you, you just don't know. What, what you're about to see until you see the guy in person. I mean, it's just something else. But, I, you know, above all that, I, the thing that impressed me more than anything was his demeanor, his position, um, his feel for the game, the way he interacted with teammates. I mean, we we got on a roll early. They were second, second of a back-to-back. They had an overtime game the day before. Um, you know, their team was struggling, and yet, and yet he was bringing them together and encouraging them. It was like, it was, like he was a veteran guy, you know? And so um, there are just so many reasons to be excited about this guy, you know, with respect to the future of the league. Rick Carlisle is with us here again. Win number 900 for him last night. Pretty cool video the Pacers put out on their social media. Um, variety of people congratulating Coach on that win. Encourage you to check that out. Um, I know you mentioned this a little bit pregame, but I was hoping for our audience you could expand on it, and that is the season and what I guess you're asking for out of Benedict Matherin. Uh, the numbers early on, certainly in a different role, maybe not what he, you know, what we were accustomed to in his rookie year. So what are you asking from him, and I guess what have you observed uh, here in the first couple weeks of his second season? Uh, be, a, be a part of the team. Um, I think people have to let go of expectations of scoring numbers and things like that. I mean, our, our team's changed a lot um, with the arrival of, uh, of Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin um, and these guys getting more, you know, more and more transfixed in our, in our starting group. I mean, the, you know, the dynamics of the team has changed. And so, uh, look, in, in, in today's age of social media, you know, instant opinions, instant gratification, instant everything. Um, you know, sometimes you got to let go of, of expectations for, you know, individual scoring and individual achievement. I mean, you know, I, what we're doing here is we're trying to build a team and a culture of team first, the team, the team, the team, the team, everything. And it's challenging, you know, in coaching, 
you know, especially, especially in the society we're living in today, you're swimming upstream with a lot of this stuff. But, you know, I, I hearken back to, you know, when I was fortunate enough to come into the NBA. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen it. I mean, I showed up in Boston in the fall of 84. It was a team of guys, you know, generally speaking, between the ages of 27 and 32, who were a high, high-level team, you know, four or five Hall of Famers at that time, six when we got Bill Walton the following year. And the team was an absolute failure if we did not win the championship. And so I, I, be, I came on board to a team of guys. Each individual on that team would have, would have given anything, would have died to make one play – during the course of a regular season that would contribute to the possibility of a championship. And that runs totally counter to today's society and expectations and social media and, and everything else. And so, look, I'm not expecting these guys um, to be able to buy into that kind of a scenario like right away. But the good thing for me is I've seen it. I know that it can happen. The, the very best teams in the league right now have that DNA. They've developed it. They've, they, they've flexed it as a muscle, um, and they've developed it as a, as a muscle. And so that's, that's a, a large part of what we're doing here. Um, I thought Ben played one of his best games last year. Now, he only, he only had 10 points, but he played within the system. He ran hard. He defended really well, and he was efficient scoring the ball. So I thought last night was great. Uh, if, if, if all you're going to do is judge, you know, our team and, um, and, and his success on, you know, whether or not he scores 20, then, you know, you're going to be disappointed and you're not thinking the right way. Uh, and so that's where we are. When you mention culture, uh, that it that it's hard to kind of build that that selflessness and everything else. Uh, I know it's very early in the season, and you know it's you know, <laughs> the back to backs coming up later on this week. How do you feel like you guys are doing in that area? Do you see positive growth every day that makes you happy in growing that culture that you're talking about? Well, it's going to be gradual. You know, the same the same way the game had to organically change over over a long time. Um, you know, we're we're in a we're in a similar situation with our team. Uh, you know, we certainly are not in this to, to have it happen over a you know a decade the way the NBA game develops. But this isn't going to happen overnight. I mean, this is going to take weeks and months and. Um, it may take it may take ultimately years, you know, with a team that's that's young like this. But that's okay, you know. I mean, um, I'm 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 happy with that as as long as we keep moving in the right direction, as long as we're preaching the things that are the important things, and that we're we're backing up the things that we're teaching. Um, but there's there's really no other way. You look back to the last team that was in the NBA Finals uh, for the Pacers. I, it was I was an assistant coach on that team and that team had that approach they had that die for each other mentality they would do anything um, for each other and um, you know that was a team that that you know most people thought was was pretty much washed up we had treated Antonio Davis and drafted Jonathan Bender and you know uh, it was is a veteran team we acquired Sam Perkins and we really rode rode at some elite shooting that year to the NBA finals. And 
and had a chance. I mean, it was a, it was four two in the finals, but um, it was a it was it was a great Lakers team, and we came up short. But I know it can happen in Indiana. You've got to dream big to to have big things happen, and. Uh, we're going to stay the course with that approach. Okay, now Utah-Milwaukee coming up for the Pacers Wednesday and Thursday as they conclude this five-game homestand. Uh, Coach, last one from me, and again, Rick Carlisle with us here every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Um, I want to go back to last Friday, and you wore a uh, red sweater uh, in honoring Bob Knight there uh, in those pregame warm-ups before your game against Cleveland. Um, if you could share any interactions that you had with Coach Knight uh, as we have kind of looked back on his life here over the last few days on the show. Yeah, I would I'd be honored to. Um, there were a couple things in my life. Uh, I, I wrote a letter to Bob Knight my junior year at the University of Virginia um, to try to get his attention because he was going to be the Olympic coach the following year um, for the trials just to, you know, have a chance to, to go to the trials and try out. You know, I knew, knew it probably didn't have much chance to make the team, but uh, wrote him a letter back in the days when people wrote letters and put stamps <laughs> on them and stuff like that and um, didn't really expect much. Uh, about two weeks later, I got a letter back from him <laughs> you know which was uh which was just awesome and I, I wasn't i wasn't expecting it um but i was very appreciative of it and it was it showed super class and then um you know in 1999 when um when we had uh the lockout and that was a lockout that extended into january of that of that year um dick harder and myself uh, went down to Bloomington to watch practice, and uh, you know Dick and, and Bobby had known each other for decades before that, and so we watched practice, and then came, um, and then went out to dinner uh, at a at a small Italian restaurant in Bloomington, and I got to tell you, I you know we sat there for at least two hours talking about the game, and you know you know. Forget about Bob Knight. I mean, Dick Harder was another guy who was like an encyclopedia on basketball, and he was one of the great defensive coaches in the history of of the game at any level. And so hearing these two guys talk basketball, but particularly hearing Bob talk about the game, he had a, a, a such a an enlightened and sophisticated view of the game and such an intelligent uh, manner of of communicating, you know, his feelings about it. Um, I thought it was one of the most interesting two hours I've ever spent in basketball. Um, and contrary to what a lot of people might believe, he was he was a he was a coach who was constantly evolving. You know, he he was talking about things that that he was doing and, and changes that he was making um, because of what he called you know uh, quote unquote today's player. And, and how he was evolving. I was like, you know, this is this is uh, 1999. You know, this is like was like the social media kind of era of, of of his coaching career. And, and I just thought it was um, it was just one of the most tremendous experiences. He was he was he was a guy that was much more flexible than people probably would have ever believed. Hmm. Um, and I think it's just 
is another nod to his greatness. I mean, he, he, he was a guy that had evolved uh, an awful lot as a basketball coach um, where a lot of people thought, you know, it was, it was just, they probably thought that he was so stubborn, would never change, et cetera, et cetera. I, I experienced a, a man that um, was quite, quite different. Appreciate you sharing that, Coach. Again, Rick Carlisle, fresh off of win number 900. Utah and Milwaukee coming up the next two nights as the Pacers continue to get underway here with their 23-24 season. Coach, as always, terrific stuff. Thank you so much for the time, and uh, good luck here on this back-to-back. Okay, thanks, guys. Be well. That's Rick Carlisle right down the Payless Lookers hotline. Uh, Andy, as always, enjoy hearing his insight and his candor. I just thought of this as he started to share that Bob Knight story, and this goes back to you know Roy Williams last week, or Bob Hamill, or Jared Odell, and I know you know Jimmy and and uh, you know Brian, and, and certainly JMV had some great guests on last week as well. We need to like kind of mash up, you know, five or six of these guests that we've had on over the past handful of days, and, and kind of put together the best Bob Knight stories and let that live somewhere kind of on our website i know i'm talking to you about like work plans and i don't know maybe i should (laughs) check with our boss before that but i want them to live somewhere because some of these stories are great Oh, I mean, it's fantastic. No, there is something. I mean, the Roy Williams one we can listen to. Man, over there's and over there's again. something romantic in this state about a bunch of basketball guys going to an Italian restaurant in Bloomington <laughs> and talking hoops for a couple hours, right? I mean, how about that? Is it Grazzi? I don't know if that was that was around back. What are then. the main ones in Bloomington? I do not know. By Olive the way, Garden. <laughs> It's right off I the exit. There's the Zolis there. <laughs> Buccettos at the College Mall. Oh, goodness. By the way, speaking of last night, that, uh, Carlisle mentioned Wembenyana standing next to Zach Collins. Boy, that's Zach Collins' hair, man. Hopefully that robot can give you the same hair <laughs> of Zach Collins yesterday. I just saw him I bob. I Sohan hair, maybe. Man, I was like, man, it's not fair. It's not fair that a man has hair that looks like that. That Spurs team is such an odd construction i i'll be curious to see what it looks like in the next couple years i I always think of because i covered keldon johnson when he he was at kentucky his dad blasting calipari on the way out (laughs) that's what i always remember and he's not a bad player keldon johnson now he was just fine last night but uh we didn't ask him about it but obi top and you mentioned did such a good job last night they you know mixed in a little bit of isaiah jackson only the second time he's got minutes in a game this season so uh it it is man if you Go look up Wembenyana next to Kevin Durant. <laughs> Three of twelve Ridiculous. last night for Victor. Again, his worst shooting night of the year. Thirteen points. He did have ten rebounds. Obi Toppin, very nice job on him. And I assume Obi Toppin will get the call coming up Thursday night with Yantis Antetokounmpo. The first matchup this year between the Pacers and the Bucks. All right, in about five minutes, uh, Melanie Lowe from the Colts is going to join us. For those unfamiliar with her, uh, she is the director. A football operations over there, and Andy, she pretty much Oof. has spearheaded the effort. God bless to her. Get this team squared away, travel wise, for <laughs> Germany. Uh, it, it's quite the endeavor, uh, to say the least. And, and really, you know, this is different than going to London. You know, London became just kind of a here's the blueprint, follow this. You know, Frankfurt last week was the first time an NFL game has been played in Frankfurt. It was Munich the year prior. So the Chiefs and Dolphins and I guess Colts and Patriots kind of all spearheaded together to figure out uh, the best operations. So kind of a unique look at uh, the traveling for the Colts here coming up on Thursday evening. So we'll chat with her in about five minutes. Uh, but let's lead off the morning check down with college basketball. Right now. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 
on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, Indiana basketball in action tonight at 6.30, Florida Gulf Coast. Who's the coach again for him? Pat Chambers. Pat Chambers. The legend. Uh, in town in Bloomington. He's so really memorable. Tonight, yes, obviously, you can tell I've missed his name about uh, three times in 90 minutes. Purdue winners last night, 98-45. Zach Eady, 16-11, four blocks in the win there. And then I'll just list a bunch of teams. Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, Marquette, UConn, Houston, uh, Arizona, Miami, Tennessee, Arkansas, A&M, San Diego State, Texas, Illinois, and so much more. All big winners last night. The only loser last night, Michigan State uh, losers at home to James Madison, 79-76. Hell, I thought Michigan State would make the Final Four this season. They still can. It's game one, obviously. I'm sure uh, Izzo not happy about that, especially the Champions Classic around the corner. And then I didn't watch any of it. Did you find the stream? Your Notre Dame uh, fighting well, I, Irish with a seven-point win over Niagara and Greg Paulus I last night. I was going to ask, I, you know, are we waiting till the 9 o'clock segment to kind of ah, give a half-hour breakdown for Notre Dame hey, and Niagara? Notre Dame all you want. Yeah, I was hoping we'd give, you know, maybe have Micah Shrewsbury on today, have Greg Paulus on to share his thoughts. fully clothed, I'm glad. I am fully clothed today. We'll save that for the ACC I mean, season. You can't be that jacked up. It's a seven-point win over Niagara, Marcus right? Marcus Burton, Mr. Basketball with a freshman record, uh, 29 points for him, breaking LaFonso Ellis's record. Uh, I'm very jacked okay. up about that. Okay. It was an ugly start. Uh, Notre Dame bringing back 32 points from last year. That's total points, by the way. 32 points from last year's team back. Very young. Notre Dame gets a win over Niagara last night. Butler over Eastern Michigan. All right, we talked a little bit of Pacers, obviously, right there with Rick Carlisle again. They set a franchise, or tie, I should say, a franchise record last night in points. That would be 152 against the Spurs. 86 in the first half. Double-figure scores. Halliburton, 23. Toppin, 19. Buddy Heald, 19. Aaron Neesmith, 15. Miles Turner, 15, Benedict Mather, and 10. Again, when Buddy Heald and Aaron Neesmith are in the game, Andy, I just assume they are starters. Like, I am so bullish on this team's depth. I think that ultimately will get them into the playoffs uh, and out of that kind of play-in range. I think you are legit 6-7. to seven. And honestly, you could probably make some debates. I don't think right now you want to panic too much, but you could probably even make a debate. Should Buddy Heald or Aaron Neesmith be in the starting lineup well, at some point In this the season? next couple weeks, I think we're going to have that conversation. Because the starters have been a little sluggish compared to the second sure. unit. Is that just kind of, would that happen no matter what? If Buddy or Neesmith were in the game, I do think, again, you've got great quality there. 6-7, Jalen Smith continues to play well. And Andrew Nemhard hit a couple shots last night. So, uh, Pacers now 4-3. and three. On the year. Uh, week nine of the NFL in the books. I don't know who stayed up. It was a boring game, but it was an NFL game nonetheless. Maybe if you had Austin Eckler, well, Keenan Allen, uh, Gerald Everett, whatever it may be on your fantasy team, 27 to 6, your final. Chargers now go to 4 and 4 on the season. The Jets, 4 and 4. We talked about uh, whether it be, you know, here in Indy or we had the conversation yesterday, guys. If you remember about the Buffalo Bills, will they make the postseason? The Chargers, a couple wins now. They're uh, and, the, and the Jets fall back, and I'm just thankful ESPN gave us the uh, the walk-in from Aaron Rodgers surrounded by 19 security guards. Enough. Now, did Ugh. you see the Derwin James clip to him after the game at oh, midfield? I, I, I did not see that, no. Uh, Derwin James asking Aaron Rodgers when he will be back, and I hope I'm quoting this right. Didn't he just say a few weeks? So could we be getting an Aaron Rodgers appearance in the month of December maybe? Did he tear did he tear his Achilles? Am I to believe that Aaron Rodgers 
in all his weirdness, can overcome an injury that is 12 months or Should at least we, 10 months. Would you rather debate Notre Dame-Niagara or if Aaron Rodgers got the COVID vaccine to cure his torn Achilles? Oh, I would rather talk Greg Paulus basketball. Because <laughs> I, I covered Greg Paulus for a few months when Rick Pacino got fired. Did Paulus play at Syracuse? Football? He did. He played. He, yes, he played football. He played quarterback. And then remember when Pacino got fired, they needed an entire new staff. And one of the guys they got was Greg Paulus. He was unemployed. So, like, Greg Paulus. So, yeah, Paulus yeah. was there for like three and a half months and got a couple hundred grand for it. So, good for him. Uh, Mark, you're very happy about Craig Council. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I like the move. I, I was a, it's a surprising move that I wasn't anticipating, but I like it. Uh, thank you, David Ross, for all that stuff. But see what Craig Council does. Let's see if they open the pocketbook. But I, ho- I hope this is one of many moves the Cubs make in the uh, in the off season. Should David Ross get another job? Sorry, Otani. What? Should David Ross Sorry. get another job here quickly? Uh, I don't know if he'll get a job quickly, but I don't know what, what jobs are available, to be quite honest. Well, I didn't know the Cubs job was available. <laughs> I, I didn't know either. I don't know. <laughs> David Ross I'm with you guys. I have no idea. The Mets just got their manager. The Yankees. Should the Reds hit. fire David Bell? Then they just extend oh, they, they him and just, hire David They just Ross. gave him a contract extension. Yeah. Where else is he going to go? He's the best manager in the NL. What are you talking about? How dare you? I was He's building w- something there. for Mark to play the audio. Where else are I going to go? <laughs> That's coming. Don't worry. All right. On the other side, Melanie Lowe. She is spearheading this trip to Germany for the Colts. Quite the travel endeavor. She'll share some of that with us next. It is the wake-up call with KB and Andy. You know, we were talking about during the break. Uh, great stuff there from Rick Carlisle. You miss any of that conversation, any of our number one, a lot of Colts conversation, Purdue and IU. Find it all on the Podcast Center, 1075thefan.com. Download the app as well. Take us, stream us anywhere uh, in the world. Speaking of anywhere in the world, stream us in Germany, which is exactly uh, coming up on Thursday. Taking that red eye is where the Colts will be traveling uh, for the Patriots game, 9.30 on Sunday morning. And to talk about that and much more. Melanie Lowe joins us from the Colts, Director of Football Operations here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Melanie, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are doing fantastic. Tell the people, how much freaking work is it to go play and do a football game and play a football <laughs> game over in Germany? It's got to be a lot of man hours. Absolutely. I'm, I'm ready for a long nap after this, but it's been great. It's been an amazing experience and ready to get over there. It, what I, you know, I'm trying to think back to the, the the London trip. I remember talking to someone in the ops department. Then they're like, "This is the binder for London. This is the binder for Houston." Like it, very different <laughs> in, in terms of planning. I don't know if binder is still the method of operation here in 2023. But as best you can, how would you compare the amount of work, Mulaney, for a normal road trip in the states to what you're going to deal with here coming up on Thursday? Absolutely. So I think that definitely the amount of months and man hours that go into it. I mean, we started planning as soon as we found out in May. We took a trip over to Germany in June, and it hasn't stopped since then. So, you know, you're planning every week, but then during that week, you're also planning for Germany. So it's like this whole season has been planning two trips each week. What would you say is the most challenging part? Is it like getting all the equipment over there? Is it handling passports? Is it, I I, I guess there's a language barrier. The fact the NFL has never been over there until last week. Uh, Where would you point to as maybe the most challenging part? Absolutely. So I would say definitely the fact that we've never played in Frankfurt before, right? So, you know, learning all the different um, 
operational you know challenges there compared to where they played in Munich last year. There's a lot of differences. Um, the fans have been great, I have to say, and all of the people over there. So it's been amazing to work with each of those. But I would also say the passports for sure, right? So we don't have a mainstreamed way of getting passports. We have to go through the post office just like anybody else. So gathering all of that from the players who you know may have birth certificates in different states and having to go get those and making sure all the departments are talking and, um, you know, all on the same page for sure. How many guys would you say didn't have a passport? I would say more than half. I would say 75 didn't. And also, you know, mind you, nine months out, most passports. So we got lucky. We're all good. We're ready to go. But our local post office has been, and they have been saints, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) The local post office. Here we are in 2023 talking about the local post office. If it were a key player, Mulaney, we needed to put some pressure on him. You know, that's what me and KB could do this morning. You know, hey, (laughs) Kenny Moore's got to play. You know, what are we doing here? You need Kenny Moore's sisters to go over there. (laughs) That's exactly what we need. After last week. Melanie Lowe is with us, by the way, Director of Football Operations. Um, Equipment-wise, because I always think this is maybe a side of it that people really don't think of. I know practice-wise, it's going to be, you know, walk through Wednesday, practice Thursday, and, you know, a lighter session on Friday over in Germany the first two days of the week here in Indy. But you guys had to send equipment over there at the end of training camp, was that right? That That is correct. Yep. So they all, all of our equipment went on a ship actually um, across the sea and it wound up getting there about, they buffer in two months to get there. So wow. it's over during training camp, but also mind you, we went to Philly, right? So a lot of that equipment we couldn't send over um, before training camp ended because we were going to Philly for joint practice. So, so a lot of stuff go on the plane um, this week. So yeah. It, it, it was it was interesting doing carnet. So every single thing that we shipped over there had to be weighed, and the amount and where it was um, originated from, all of those things had to be listed in detail. So a ship, okay. So this is at the end of tra- or you said after the Philly joint practices. There, like, what goes on that? What goes on that ship? What goes on the plane? So we send all of our, like, you know, sweatshirts, things that we don't need during season, we'll send over there. But a lot of our equipment, so computers, um, monitors, uh, jerseys, cleats, all of that will go on the plane because we've had to use them the last couple of weeks. So what we send on that ship was very small, you know, supplements, things like that, foods, um, nutrition things. Those would be the items that we would send over early. And then also, you know, we've talked about practices and things like that. You know, all of the stadiums and practice sites they have in Germany are made for soccer teams. So they're a lot smaller than what we're used to, again, with the fields and the stadiums and the locker rooms, just adjusting to the soccer, you know. Oh, yeah. Ooh. The soccer player is not nearly as big as DeForest Buckner, <laughs> uh, m'lady. Yeah. So, <laughs> those, those. I think the hotel has one coming for him because they're, you know, they're prepping for soccer players and we have 300 pounds. Messi next to Buckner. It's like yeah. Web and Yama next yeah. to you know, some of those Pacers Next to the there. Graziani guy. Edie yeah, and the Graziani exactly. guy right. from the Purdue game. Right. Uh, did did any you know ops people from Miami or Kansas City give you guys any hints over the last few days since they went there and you know kind of did the deed last weekend? You know, the NFL, as much as we're competitors, they have been great to us. Um, the Dolphins especially have given us, you know, drive times, escorts, all of that stuff. Uh, they're saying they stayed at the same hotel. You know, we will. So, Again, that was great just to hear their feedback and, you know, working with your counterparts. Melanie Lowe is with us, Director of Football Ops, and she's been a huge, huge part of spearheading this effort as the Colts are off to Germany coming up red-eye. I assume it's a different plane than you guys typically travel on? 
it is a lot more people coming with us too. So uh, again, all the planning for the plan, you know, from from start to finish, all the things you don't necessarily think of when you go on a commercial flight, you have to think of here, um, mm-hmm. the nitty gritty details, the food, the lights, the everything. Yeah, I'm trying to think of here in the last couple of weeks, you know, the Colts obviously have signed maybe a player or two to their practice squad or something like that. It is like one of the first jobs you think of of when that player is signed, the newcomer in the building, like, do they have a passport? And I guess how much of that is on your mind even this week because Tuesday can be a popular roster signing day. As soon as I hear our scouts calling, I'm sneaking into their office saying, all right, does he have a passport? That is definitely my first question. And Definitely hounded our scouts on that one, for sure. They've been good to me, though. That's I, I'm, great. I'm yeah, we were last one for me, Mulaney. Uh, you know, I just I, I'm guessing the answer is kind of no. I asked KB earlier. I go, would you rather do what the Dolphins did if you're a player and be there the entire week, or like the Chiefs or the two teams? You know, you you guys here with the Colts or the Patriots, and that's go up Thursday and kind of keep your body on that same clock. Uh, so the guys are going to get there. You'll be keeping them up, and there is you know a football game to win. Will are there any events that they'll go to and participate in the few? days they're there anything honestly no it is uh, solely a business trip so we'll go into meetings we'll go into walkthrough and it's strictly it's strictly football um and i would say definitely i mean this will be my first time going abroad with a team so you know there's always ways that we're going to learn from what we do but right now i'm thinking you know use your advantage at home right so our home facility this week will have our practices at our home field um and then go to germany for those two days yes you know you might have some challenges getting on the same body clock you know in germany but at least this week we have a normal week and they have their normal facilities again like i said in germany it's a lot smaller the fields sure. are different it's been raining so we have all those challenges um they're not indoor facilities like we have here in the states hmm. so i think this week will be important to have um our facility here and have that sense of normalcy you know some great stuff here Melanie logan director of football ops for the colts uh last one from me um i guess could you describe frankfurt for us or even describe the stadium i mean certainly it's not the same you know wembley was a huge venue when the colts played there in 2016 bigger than virtually every nfl stadium this is not that so uh, could you describe maybe frankfurt and then also the stadium the colts will be playing in come sunday Absolutely. So when I went over in June, Frankfurt's gorgeous. Um, the people there, it's really unique. Everybody is so happy. Everybody is very lively. They get off work around three or four, it seems, and they're out in the streets having a great time eating dinner. Um, so I would say the culture there is amazing. Everybody was very excited to have us there. There's a lot of football fans. There's a lot of Americans stationed there. So um, I think that we'll have a, lot, a big fan base there. I'm really excited about it. Um, in terms of the stadium, stadium's a lot smaller than, you know, stadiums that we're used to, but definitely the crowd comes in a lot closer to your bench. Hmm. So I think it'll be a really great atmosphere. I hope the, the crowd is loud, but also having that roof open, uh, it's a real, it'll be a unique experience. Yeah, about 50,000. That, that was the attendance uh, for this past Sunday when it was Chiefs and Dolphins. Mulaney, thank you for the time. Um, I'm seeing here in the background, I don't know if you were locked into Notre Dame and Niagara last night like I was because I'm a psycho Notre Dame basketball fan, but you've got some history around the Notre Dame football program. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. I was a student equipment manager in college for four years. Oh, God, yeah. KB, you would have loved to have done that. She had your dream job. No, I, I don't she think. She had your dream yeah. job. I don't think I would have behaved well <laughs> enough for that. Yeah, I'll stick to Notre Dame basketball on that end. Hell, she, she probably saw a lot with Notre Dame football over that time. Were you? Did you go to Notre Dame, St. Mary's? I, 
Mary's, yes. Went to St. Mary's, um, which was great. Absolutely loved it and was there with Coach Kelly, and we had a good run, you know? Yeah. Yeah, hell of a run there. Uh, Well, Melania, I can only imagine what the last few months have been like for you, and even this week, I'm sure some uh, stressful moments leading into Thursday night and that flight home on Sunday. Uh, Hopefully you can get some sleep, some well-deserved sleep leading into that bye week. Uh, Thanks for the info today, and good luck with everything this week. Thank you so much. Melanie Lowe, Director of Football Operations right there for the Colts. Again, quite the endeavor. Uh, Last week was the first time Chiefs and Dolphins went over there. Three of the four teams, Andy, have chosen to do the let's try and handle it as much as an American body clock, Eastern time zone body clock as possible. Uh, Chiefs did that. I guess Chiefs would be central. Colts and Patriots are doing that as well. The Dolphins did go over there for the whole week. You know why? McDaniels wants to go hang out in Germany. That's why. That's my thinking. If you, if you, come on, come on, come on. You Belichick, so? Andy Reid, Shane yeah, Steichen, well, yeah, they want I mean, no part of that? Yeah, those guys have one type of press, press conference, and Mike McDaniels has another type of press conference. So do you think he wanted to go out maybe on the town a couple nights in Germany? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Plus, they're in Miami. He might keep his players out of trouble going to Germany. They missed Oktoberfest, I guess. Man, I'd love to go, I'd love to go over there. That's, that's a trip that I'd love to do. It, it, just love it's to so do. funny to me in the year 2023 you just heard her describe yeah we had to send stuff over on a ship yeah like the NFL I I mean I I mean I guess that makes sense but it just seems like quite the yeah. well here's what That's I just a wild concept to here's me here's I, mean, what I, I thought. guess like I maybe being way too short sighted like the Sopranos or season two of the wire like some guys are are gonna are gonna rob the you know are gonna rob the ship if you will and they get the wrong container and they think they're gonna get a bunch of Rolex watches or something or a cars or something like that and they open the container and they get supplements and Colts sweatshirts Oh, we've got a case of Pedialyte. <laughs> I wonder if they were ever worried it was going to be one of those ships that got like stuck. Remember, there was that for a while. Oh was, yeah, ships I guess you don't have to stuck. go through a canal, right? Yeah. Correctly. Uh-huh. <laughs> All the DeForest Buckner jerseys are stuck in a canal somewhere. Uh, Zach Kiefer is going to join us Thursday. <laughs> he was over there for Dolphins Chiefs, not staying over there for Colts and Patriots. Uh, but Bjorn Werner. Uh, is kind of a prominent sure he uh, is. German football analyst for, um, I guess, whatever broadcast that they are doing there uh, from an international standpoint. Obviously, former first-round pick for the Colts. And I am curious, just like, you know, fan-wise, will he be Colt Patriot-centric, or is it going to be more, a little bit more? No, it'll be like, like Vikings jersey. Yeah. Someone will be, uh-huh. you know, there'll be a guy in a Saquon Barkley jersey or a Tony Romo jersey. That's what we need. Is there, and I hate to do this, is there an intern around here that we could, you know, he has to watch the game, and when they go to the crowd, and they, you know, someone has a Cooper Cup jersey, you write down how many different jerseys. You could get a Bernard Ryman jersey, right? I, you could do that, yeah. But you know what I'm saying, like, that number is going to be like 200. I may try Try to do it if I can remember if the baby's, you know, behaving and everything at 930 in the morning. Uh, I may try to go in the man cave and count how many different jersey combinations we get in uh, in Germany. Yeah, you change little gas's diaper. I got to count jerseys here in Germany. I got to see if a guy has a Cooper Cup jersey in Section 212. You know, I was fortunate to go over to the game in London back in 2016. I mean, that was back. And at that point, you still were not really playing internationally that often. The loudest cheers were for the fourth down plays. <laughs> Anytime a ball was kicked. Yeah, Matt Gay's a star. Does oh, Matt Gay know that he's going carry, to be a star? They're going to storm the field and carry Matt Gay off the field. They might. They might. Uh, the Patriots have a rookie kicker. I can't remember his name. I'll look it up. Yeah, they tried to get in field goal range last week against yeah. the Commanders. And Chad Juju, Ryland. Juju Smith-Schuster 
had a drop. So Chad Ryland and Matt Gay are the two biggest stars going over to Frankfurt on Thursday morning on a red eye. Somebody get a drink from like a boot or something? Can we make that happen? Like, did they do any sort of like Mahomes post game? You know, for Thanksgiving, it's eat the turkey on the field after the game. Was there? Yeah, the turkey leg, schnitzel, or drink the boot. Yeah, the boot. It no. sounds like there's no fun going on. Like it sounds well, like Colts it's just, and Patriots are going to their bye yeah, week. They should I know. do that afterwards. I, I, listen, I'm, it just sounds like they're going and they're playing a game, and it happens instead of being you know in Gillette or in Lucas Oil, it's going to be in Frankfurt. So whatever. I have a fun different angle there. So thank you to Melanie Lowe for that. Uh, Rick Carlisle, of course, on the podcast as well. Both of those will be up. Uh, after the show. All right, when we come back, we'll continue the Colts conversation and college basketball as the local teams got underway last night. A top five team went down, and Indiana will get their season started at 6.30 tonight. Perfect-looking Tuesday for those out there heading to their election sites. Uh, beautiful morning here in Indianapolis. Thanks for spending it with us. Wake up call, KB and Andy. All right, a couple things to clean up here as we get close to the top of the 9 o'clock hour. We need to tweet this out, but did you happen to see last night they, uh, I guess, what do you say? They photoshopped Trevor Lawrence's face onto Peyton Manning's face. Did you see that last night? No, that's horrifying. (laughs) In the Manning cast. Man, that's... Jeez, that's a tough look on the eyes. I, fi- I figured you would like that, so I need to How tweet was that Trevor out. Lawrence? I didn't watch any of the Manning uh, I did not see the Trevor Lawrence part at all. I was That game was very much on in the background. I had nothing on the game other than maybe a couple dollars on the Chargers, but nothing else. I was locked into college basketball on the Pacers last night. I wanted to clean up one other thing as well. Uh, the journalism that was done uh, was substantial. Oh, and I'm losing it here. I believe it was Matt Lee was the member of the Philadelphia Eagles who got knocked over and people thought he had a red thong on. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah. Matt, I've been, couldn't sleep last I'm night sure, thinking about this. I'm sure you and your family stayed up all night. Matt Leo is a defensive and football operations assistant. Whatever the hell that means, that's what he is. And the underwear he was wearing was PSD underwear, which I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard that. It's a... It's a, you know, it's an expensive brand. It's not going down <laughs> I to Target. Oh, you never heard no. of PSD? Oh, no, yeah. It's, 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 pre, it's premium underwear. How's that sound? So was it it's a expensive, thong or not? It was not. It was just colorful. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> so there well, you go. For Matt. His Thank name was Matt Leo. Surprise winning he, journalist. He said he that. will be wearing something similar each and every week as if everyone's like, he needs to wear it for the Eagles. I'm like, dude, they're like 8 1. They never lose a game. What do you wear? They have two games with the Giants left. They had the Commanders on their schedule. Like, they're winning 13 games. Regardless if a thong is worn or not. Anyway, go Mid-season ahead. Mid-season <laughs> Super Bowl pick. Give me a uh, give me a matchup right now. Uh, I was Cowboys Jets at the start of the year. Yeah, how do you How's feel? That going? How, how do you feel about that? Well, like Aaron Rodgers is coming back in a few weeks. That's like your athletics pick in the baseball season. Do I believe in the Ravens? I feel like Lamar Jackson I a little still bit. Believe in the Cowboys, by the way. Okay, well, okay. Lamar Jackson, I feel like a little bit like Purdue. I mean, they're going to win all these games. Will that matter when you get to the postseason? But right now, I don't know. I'd say give me Eagles-Ravens. If you made me choose, Eagles-Ravens. I'm sticking with my original pick, which was Bengals-Niners. It's alive. Yeah. It's very the much Bengals alive. The Bengals stumbled early. They're starting to rebound. The Niners are better themselves. than Seattle. Eventually, they'll win out and they'll win the West. Eventually. Now, they might be a three or four seed, but eventually they will win the NFC West. What about the Dolphins? Yeah, you know I'm off on the Dolphins right now. They'll be good teams. And I love Mike McDaniel. But aren't they about to get like healthier again? Isn't 
A-Chain coming off the IR list? He should be um, looking at their schedule. They the Raiders, Jets, Titans, Commanders, Jets again. You know, they end with Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. Like, I think they can roll, and then the last three games I'm interested. Can they win two out of those three games in positioning and for me to believe they can beat a good team? Thus far, they haven't beat a good team. That, that I mean, that's the bugaboo. You right. have to talk about it. But I love Mike McDaniels. Yeah, the NFC to me, that that's, you know, is anyone, you know, is the, the 49ers, are they still a serious challenger to Philly? Uh, obviously, they've been a little bit banged up with some of their key, key guys here uh, as of late. Uh, and then is there any third team? Like, are the Cowboys anything or no? Right. Um, is Seattle something? Seattle made a couple win-now moves at the deadline. Um, maybe I'm just forgetting someone who feels like in the last few years we haven't kind of had that surprise AFC or NFC finalist team. You know, we haven't had that seven seeders. I guess Cincinnati, you could qualify that maybe a couple years ago, but still, it was one of the almost Cincinnati a few years ago was almost, I think, how Miami's viewed this year. Kind of the young skill guys and young quarterback yet to prove it. And obviously, in that run, Cincinnati, Evan McPherson, their kicker was outstanding in getting them. All the way to the Super Bowl. He was game. swaggy, which you know I love. Uh, who do you, who do you remember? He watched the halftime show. Who was it? Was that the one where Fifty Cent was upside down? Yeah, he did watch glorious. that <laughs> halftime show. <laughs> it was glorious. Oh, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. Yeah. Who do we get? Is Eminem? it Rihanna this year? No, Rihanna. No, was she last was last year. year. She, was last year. Is, uh, she announced her pregnancy, Usher. didn't she? Yeah, Usher. Usher remember, right. mm-hmm. remember, Katie, uh, not Katy Perry. Ta- the Taylor Swift stuff was there. Just quickly, last thought on this: the NFC to me is completely locked in. Like I think we know six of the seven teams. the The question would be: Can Minnesota hang on? Then you have like Washington, Atlanta, Tampa Bay. Like those teams. Like someone, one of those teams is going to end up being a seven seed. Yuck! But I think we know six of the seven. And then the AFCs. That's that's the fun part. I mean, the AFCs the mess. Well, what it's is, too bad the Colts aren't in the NFC. They'd be alive. We'd be talking about them being alive right now. What is wild about the NFC is you're going to have Dallas and San Francisco. If the playoffs started today, yes. right, Dallas and San Francisco would both go on the road in the wild card round. Correct. Which, I mean, that's what? San Francisco at a Detroit? Dallas at a New Orleans, Atlanta? Whoever's yeah. one in that division? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of crazy. All right, 9 o'clock hour coming up. We'll continue to talk a little Colts, some college basketball as well. All right, 9 o'clock hour, hanging out with you here live in Indianapolis, drivehubler.com studios. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dighton producing today's effort. Please appreciate Rick Carlisle joining us uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. If you miss any of that conversation, check it out, 1075thefan.com. Uh, KB, I have, a, I have a feeling those those are going to be good conversations going forward. Win or loss, uh, Rick Carlisle's pretty candid in his comments, uh, and that's why I asked him at the beginning. I figured he was... Tired of talking about himself winning 900 games, uh, and we'll be doing it in a couple years when he gets to a thousand. <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, <laughs> he's going to get there. It's funny. I don't know if I should admit this or not, but <laughs> not every guest, and certainly probably people feel this way about me. Not every guest do I sit there and uh, I'm kind of like on the edge of my seat listening to every word, but I do get that way with Rick Carlisle, and I do too. Again, I don't say that about a lot of coaches. Certainly sure. not Shane Steichen. Uh, very transparent, good or bad. Um, you don't get coach speak. I think he's got a pretty unique perspective, obviously, having coached in the league for you know now over two decades and uh, quite the accomplishment getting to 900. And pretty fitting last night against Greg Popovich and the Spurs. So, again, the Pacers will round out this five-game homestand coming up on Wednesday 
and Thursday with the Jazz and the Bucks. I wanted to ask you this. Aaron on Twitter, uh, he asked us this. And we could just do a mini, uh, a mini uh, you know, um, uh, round table here if you want. He goes, since it's election day, what would be the one sports platform you would base your campaign on? Does Kevin, but do you, do you feel that confidently or that hot takey about anything to to run an entire campaign, a sports campaign? What well, would it be? Let's go. I got, I guess I have a couple. Okay. Uh, two that stand out to me. Um, an NFL team, the NFL should mandate that one team runs the triple option wishbone. <laughs> okay. I want Navy, Army, Air Force, old school triple option. Well, let, let my Jets team might do, it. do that. I was, gonna, I was about to say, have the Giants do the that. The Giants are averaging, so New England, who the Colts play on Sunday, of course, uh, they're averaging 15 points I saw per game. That's 31st <laughs> in the NFL. Your Giants are dead last you damn right they 11 are 11 points per game. We're taking that first round pick from you, Mark. We're taking that. Uh, so by- that, that's my one okay. platform for the NFL. And then NBA, I'm going to go reverse. And I don't know if he still does it. I feel like he doesn't do it to the degree he did it at VCU. Um, but I wanted an NBA owner to hire Shaka Smart for a while, and I wanted to see an NBA team press every night. A full-court press? Oh, you know they would hate that. Yeah, Patino used to do that. No one no one does the full-court press anymore, do they? Does anybody? Like, you're paying 15 dudes a, a, a nice salary. Yeah. I mean, aren't there guys on the Pacers bench that we sit there and think to yourself, man, why aren't they getting yeah, in the game? Jordan Ward can come in for four or five minutes and, sure. and full-court Daniel press. Tice? How much yeah. is he getting paid to is sit Tice on the bench ever gonna, every night? Is he ever going to play, by the way? So Daniel those Tice. are my two platforms. We're going to Okay. have a triple option uh, wishbone NFL team and we're going to have a full court pressing 82 nights out of the year use all 15 player NBA team uh, I think my main one would be and they've changed it a little bit and I understand that it's never going to be the same college and like the NBA and college and the NFL having having rules that are the same like I guess for me they changed the stopping of the clock after the first down in college football but you still only have to have one foot down instead of two feet down like you do in the NFL for a catch and then the length of the game in college basketball being different I don't know if I'm passionate about them going to 10 minute quarters but the length of the game being different in the NBA than college basketball I don't know why ever since I'm a kid I'm like why why are these not the same. And then the other one, and this is no offense, has nothing to do with the Colts. Um, you know I'm not always in love with the overseas games. And I love football. I want more football. That surprises I, me that you are not. Like, you don't love 930 well, I, football? I do, I do, but I, I'm here's what I've done. I've said and I'm trying to pander to fan bases when I do this. All I'm doing is pandering because I'm a politician. If we're talking about Election Day, <laughs> KB, it's all about pandering. Uh, I'd be pandering saying, well, are you, you know. you vote Hogsett, Shreve or Sweeney <laughs> or, here? Or Sweeney on the election ballot. By the way, thank God we're talking about the Colts and not having to talk about that on the the radio. Um, The only problem with the overseas games, we gave them the good stuff. I mean, Chiefs, uh, Chiefs, Dolphins, and you know, taxpayers paid for the billion-dollar stadium. One home game every eight years. I know, I know, I know. I didn't say it was a good platform to run on, but that's my platform. The only other decent one was Bills Jaguars. Everything else was Jaguars, Falcons, Ravens, Titans. Hey, you Bills. Bills Jags is good. I look right? at it like this. We get what, what this year? How many international games? Five or six? Uh, it was five this year. So you have five Sunday mornings with appointment television at nine thirty. I know. And I know. To do that, you have to give up one home game every eight years. Because <laughs> I think we are going to get to a point NFL wise where that's where it's going to be. You're you're playing an international game once every four years. Right now, the Colts 
They aren't giving up their home game. This is New England's home game coming up Sunday. But each team would do that once every eight years. That's kind of how I view yeah. the international series. It does sound like, I think Peter King had this in his column today, that the next countries on the list would be, and not necessarily in this order, Spain, Brazil, and potentially Australia. Um, Kylan Granson, uh, actually, Colts tight end, he actually played one of his college games in Australia. Uh, Did he really? I if he was at Rice or SMU for that game. It was actually interesting. Yesterday, it was... Um, I was surprised that Melanie Lowe said to us, again, director of football ops for the Colts, we had her on about a half hour ago. Were you surprised that over half the players needed a passport? I was I was stunned by that. I guess the only reason I should not be, if you have young players and they have young players, or you have players who haven't been on big deals, maybe they're not doing exotic vacations. But I always think, like DeForest Buckner, he gets done with last year. This guy's off. He's off to Mexico, right. you know, Greece, and even somewhere like, like that. And again, my, my first experience going, needing a passport actually, was the London game in 2016. So, you know, I guess I fall more into that boat of, you know, I just didn't have an international experience. But Jalen Jones was talking yesterday, Colts Corner. He's like, I live in Japan for a few years early in my life. So, I, I you know, obviously, Bernard Ryman doesn't Good need one. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I was just curious, like, no, over I was, half of them. I was stunned over half, and that, needed it. that to me, you had to start that process. I mean, they started that process a year ago, months ago. I mean, just months upon months, because you don't know right. how long it's going to take to get that back from the government. The game was announced in May. I would like to think the NFL Boy. gave them a bit of a heads up you in have the to spring. Think so. um, but yeah, I mean, that was certainly... I mean, that should be enough time, but they do tell you to give it, you know, because, you know, right around April, May is when people are like, oh, crap, I'm trying to go to Mexico in June or July. Let me go ahead and you know, take this to the post office and get my picture taken. By the way, I had to get a new license. I had to do the BMV thing, you know, last week. Do you look like a serial well, killer in your I, shop? I, I can't wait till it shows up in the mail. So I didn't even think about having to get a new license. And she's like, all right, I'm going to take your picture. I, I didn't. I looked rough. <laughs> I don't mind saying that I yeah, looked rough. I look rough. absolutely horrific. I'm mind. like, boy, that's going to be the picture when I get carted at a. I'm still being carted at some bars. Really? You know? Well, you know, they crack down. You I, know, they, I think they I've know, gotten past that. Probably because of my hair. But like uh, what the Irvington Halloween festival? They're like, yeah, they're kind of they're kind of cracking down. So we're gonna have to look at your passport. I'm like, yeah, I'm 40. I'm Mike Gundy. Yeah, carded at the bars. That bartender of glaucoma. Like, how did how did that? Yeah, happen? I've I've been carded several times in Indianapolis. Should we several? Be, should we be hammering Indiana minus 11 and a half tonight? I mean, that's, that's a small fu- line. I, I would I would agree with that. Wasn't what did we say Purdue was last night? Nineteen and a half going into the game, and yeah. they won by yeah, like Duke and Tennessee were 30, 31, 32 point favorites Notre going Dame. into their games. Notre Dame did not cover. <laughs> what was that spread? Eight Eleven and, a half, and they won by seven. <laughs> We need Mike Woodson to give the uh, the speech. This kicks some ass. <laughs> it is funny when you look at Florida Gulf Coast tonight for Indiana that Isaiah Thompson, former Purdue player, former Zionsville product, uh, is arguably their best player. It does sound like he's questionable for the game due to an, an injury. There's a, just so much unknown to this Indiana team. You know, Xavier Johnson come back from the injury. And even as a player, there's a bit of like an unknown night in, night out of yeah, yeah. When he's on, I mean, he's an all-conference type of guy. When it's off, it, it can you know be extremely beneficial to you, to the other team. You know, what does Kaleo Ware look mm-hmm. like after transferring and having a disappointing season at Oregon? You know, any five-star freshman offers intrigue, and certainly Indiana can point to a Jalen Hutchinson, or they can point to you know a Christian Lander. And I, and I get the Lander enrolled early there. 
Um, you know, Trey Galloway in more of an ascending role. Do we con- continue to see the jump shot grow for him? And does he become kind of a double digit guy for you night in, night out? And then Malik Renew. I mean, he was a five star as well. And I, I am bullish on him being kind of a double digit guy for you. And not obviously being at the Trace Jackson Davis level, but to me, I think he's 14 and 8, 15 and 10 type of guy. Um, and then the young guys coming off the bench, you know, CJ Gunn, the LN kid. And then Caleb Banks, uh, I think it's critical for their development as Indiana. I, I, I think is going to have to lean on that bench, certainly. I, I guess, you know, following, and, and they're not doing this totally, but, you know, following like someone like Kentucky basketball that I did for years, or just following college basketball uh, as a whole, don't you feel like Indiana fans the last few years, they have known their roster, right? Now, you, you had a Blackman. Uh, you had some of these guys, Jalen hood Shafino. That's who I was thinking of. Jalen hood Shafino last year. I, I don't know if he was totally viewed as a one-and-done, but anytime you got a guy that's highly ranked or rather highly ranked, you got to think you're only going to get him for a year or two. But because they had core guys... You know, whether it be Ray Thompson, you look at Trace Jackson Davis, core guys stick around. Indiana has always kind of, you know, last few years has had a framework of kind of what they would be working with. This year, they don't. And, and I don't know, that could be a good thing. Like Purdue, for instance... They have a framework. Yes, yes, some pieces leave. You add a few different pieces. Guys are put in. You look at Kaufman Wren last night, who, by the way, got two fouls. That's my man from Sellersburg. You can't get two fouls if you're trying to get playing time. <laughs> he got get... his first start, right? First yeah, he, start. he did. He got two fouls in three minutes. Uh, and, you know, just, uh, you know, he's in a different position. And so for Indiana this year, it's like Malik Renew last year could go games where he didn't have to do very much, right? Well, and he also and, was a big fouler. Yeah. It, to and, be okay. So this yeah. year he can't do that. I mean, he was six points, th- three rebounds last year. I mean, those numbers need to be at least. Doubled this year. He is a starting player. And then you mentioned Khalil Ware uh, in Mackenzie and Baco. You know, Indiana fans are sitting there like, I don't know, like Kentucky fans this year or like some Duke fans of, hey, are these young guys and Mackenzie obviously being a freshman, are they are they gonna be ready to go? You know, we get to December. Are they are they going to be ready to play with Kansas? And you know, Woodson has kind of brought that in. I think you're going to, if you're an Indiana fan, I think he's going to recruit well enough to Every year, you're going to have a couple of those guys to where we're not going to know very much about them, but the hype around them is going to be there. And I think Indiana's got two or three of those guys this season. Well, in a way, you know how they fit into the team structure, I think, is really curious to me. And I guess, it, in a way, it kind of goes back to the Benedict Mathern conversation with Rick Carlisle that we had about an hour ago um, of a dominant score, certainly with the second unit last year. Now he is not dominating the ball with the starters as much and it's an adjustment period for McKenzie and Baco and Khalil Ware as well I mean those two guys again have made it very clear they want to be lottery picks and they think it's a one year in lottery pick type of path for them how do they handle that when Xavier Johnson is controlling the ball and they they're not guards and maybe the offense runs through Malik Renew a little bit more than the other two again I think Woodson's NBA background makes Indiana fans feel like, no, 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 this this can work and this can be a little bit seamless. See, I feel I feel a little bit of that. Like I trust Woodson yeah, I to just figure that little, out. I, skeptical curiosity. You know, both of those things are sitting there for me. And you know, it's fine to have the growing pains in the non conference and the schedule is, I think, and, and 
Credit to Mike Woodson. He is scheduled, I think, very difficult here in the non-conference. I like to see that for teams you believe are NCAA tournament caliber teams, whether it's UConn or Kansas or Auburn. Um, you know, it, it is a very tough non-conference schedule. But they threw up the graphic. I think it might have been Big Ten Media Day. Uh, 13, 13th uh, Indiana in returning minutes for them from last season. So, again, it is a very new look. And some of that is the Xavier Johnson injury and him coming back. Um, but yeah, it'll be um, it'll be fun to watch how that those puzzle pieces get put together because they're so different. And you lost just two, well, oh, really three. I, I don't think Miller Cop should be overlooked, uh, but especially in Ray Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, you lost two guys that night in, night out. You knew they're in the starting lineup, and obviously in Trace's case, you knew he was giving you twenty and ten. Uh, two, three, nine, ten, seventy. Again, we had Rick Carlisle on. You missed any of that conversation? Check it out. One zero seven five thefan dot com. Let me ask you this, as it pertains to Indiana as well. You know, Xavier Johnson with the injury issues last year, it's a little bit like Anthony Richardson. I'm going to have to see it next year with AR. And, you know, Xavier, I'm going to have to see just him be healthy this year because last year it really did. Well, he got injured in that Kansas game, right? It was a Kansas yeah. game or was it right before the I'm Kansas trying to think game? It was either Arizona or Kansas. I think it was Kansas. Yeah, I think it was Kansas. You know, he goes down in that atmosphere. Uh, and ever, so I guess you bring in a, you bring back a player who's a good player, uh, no longer has the high upside. It's all about college basketball in this season with him and you add to that significant injury issues last year uh, I don't know anything about Gabe Cups, okay? I don't know much Woodson about CJ Gunn. I, I, I understand. I think the one area of criticism is that they didn't get a more impactful guard this offseason. And, and if Xavier Johnson either isn't a stud or does have the injury bug, I think that's the thing that Mike Woodson will be clubbed over the head for this year is hey, why did you you knew this could potentially happen because you know Xavier, hey, why why didn't you go get somebody else? That that, that will be the storyline, I think, that could derail them if you gave me one of them. Hey, what could you worry about? That would probably be it. You know, again, I go back to two years ago, because last year with Xavier Johnson, the sample size was so small. He, Ironically, he was great at Xavier uh, in that win that they got early in the season. Arizona Rutgers, you know, losses early on. Uh, he was not good. And we, or at least I, have kind of made the Lance Stevenson comp to him. You know, for all those years, it was often good Lance and bad Lance. <laughs> and when it's going, boy, does he give you a jolt. And does he give you an energy and an athleticism and a passing ability and a playmaking ability that you don't really have. When it's bad, it is not only bad, but it's like Gardner Minshew turning it over bad, not right. Gardner Minshew punting. Yeah, he'll lose bad. you a game. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of how it is with Xavier Johnson as well. Um, now, more often than not, to be fair to him, I think it is good. But if that starts to slip, you know, can you go to the bench? Do you trust Gabe Cups as a, as a freshman to come in there and give you those minutes? But I, I would agree. I think, you know, another guard, uh, because that's what college basketball is so much about. Um, not having that, I think, will be a question to keep an eye on. So, again, tonight, 630, it'll be Indiana and Florida Gulf Coast. Before we go to a check down, just quickly with the Colts, I'm looking at ESPN.com, and they have the Colts. So I'm going to be doing my dopey power rankings that will be up on the website, 1075thefan.com. I'll uh, finish putting those together when we get off the air at 10 o'clock here. Uh, ESPN has the Colts at 21 in their latest power rankings, a sandwich between Atlanta and the Vegas Raiders. I ask you, but they also do a non-quarterback MVP 
MVP. Who do you think Stephen Holder picked to be the non-quarterback MVP for the Indianapolis Colts thus far this season? Ooh, so I did my awards uh, before last week. I did Zaire Franklin as the MVP. Yes, you did. I think if you wait a week, you might give us Kenny Moore. He went with DeForest Buckner. Okay. And by the way, we never got to that segment. We were going to do the midseason awards, and Who then the, you give and then the Bobby right Knight now? stuff happened. Obviously, I think I said I think you said Franklin, right? I said Zaire. Yeah, you said Zaire. Oh boy, we talked about this. Who did I say? And I gave. I def- feel like I didn't go with Zaire. I feel like I just went again, somewhere this was else before last week, and I debated yeah. in my head. Ugh. So, defensive player of the year. Um, you know, based off the Kevin Bowen standard for awards. I didn't want to give Zaire that as well. Uh, so I debated Kenny Moore or DeForest Buckner. I, I gave the slight edge to to Kenny there. I'm trying to go back in my my show notes to see if I could find out. I'll go wild card. I'll <laughs> say Zach Moss. Yeah, you know, Moss to me, I think qualifies more for breakout player. Like, just because the expectations were so low. I had Zach Moss. I just found it. I had Zach Moss. As yeah. the MVP. Yeah, yeah. Which now, the last couple of weeks, seeing him kind of diminish seven touches, torch being passed. I, if I had to I mean, choose he was today, very I might important feel, there early on. He, he kept was. the rig on the road. Yeah, he was very important there when you really needed it. They had nobody with injuries and Deion Jackson being cut from the team. They had nobody. Yeah, I wrote this down because we never got to it. MVP, I had Zach Moss. I put, how do you look at valuable? Is it best or most important? Uh, offensive, I had Pittman. Defensive, I had Zaire. Uh, rookie, I had Downs, not close. And most yeah, Downs, the easiest. Did we have one most disappointing? Quitty, most Pay. disappointing. Yeah, I think you go Quitty. You know, overall, this maybe is an individual. I'd say the cornerback yeah. approach or plan. Uh, how about the tight ends for most disappointing? And Jelani Woods not going to play this season. I mean, is he not going to play? We'll I mean, see. We're, we're to week ten, so I assume he's not. That's the answer from Shane Steichen. Is that a group um, award that all the the whole tight end room just stands up on the stage to accept the award? Like I think last year I gave most disappointing to the offensive line, and right now I would just it feels like every week one tight end has one catch, and that's it. It wasn't Ogletree's no. catch the only one for yeah. the tight ends last week. Yeah, it was, and then you know, and then you know, it got negated. Did it not? Did it get? I thought it got negated by those back to back penalties. No, that one he actually that one caught. It that was like one that corner two yarder. Route. It was, honestly, it was Minshew's better throw. Maybe he had another catch that okay, got so negated, but we, he had one for like nineteen or something. We've talked about this, and this is not throwing away the season. But if the Colts. How far down in the top 10 do you think they'll have to be to where they would not have to move up? And would you support them getting Brock Bowers that early, a tight end that early? It's not a premium position, KB. It's not a It's not a corner. It's not, of course, we think they have their left tackle. We think they have their quarterback, Juju Brents, you take in the second round. Uh, I, I think the Colts' corner tight end. Harrison Jr. probably won't be there. You can probably get wide receiver somewhere else. Brock Bowers, is that someone that we would stump for, I uh, guess, when it comes to April time? I, I would listen to it. Okay. I maybe have changed my tune a little bit into pass catcher, pass catcher, pass catcher, and I would think long and hard about edge rusher. Yeah. I, 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 just, I think I'm with you on the edge. I watch some of these other teams and what they're able to produce off the edge, and I see what Quiddy Pay has shown through the first half of this season. And I also lean a little bit this way, Andy. What's the position that now starts to have more and more depth as college football becomes even more and more pass-happy? It's wide out, 
I mean, if you look at some of the best wideouts in oh, the league, I, I'm with you. Yeah, they're not first round picks. I mean, some of them are, but whether it is AJ Brown or Debo Samuel or DK Metcalf or Terry McLaurin or Tyreek, I mean, some of these guys are not first round picks. Whereas pass rusher, to me, there's a little bit more of a scarcity to that position. And you know, maybe this is a bye week conversation. It might be good, honestly, next week, Mark, to get some draft person on. No matter what happens with the Colts, just curiosity looking ahead. But it does seem like. This is more of a receiver depth draft than an edge rusher depth draft. Well, that's what the so to go to the Bears. That's why they did the Montez Sweat sure. deal because Ryan sure. Pohl said he looked ahead at the draft board for pass rushers and he didn't see that there was going to be enough talent there to warrant you know using a draft pick on it. I'm looking that's at a very just good point. I'm just if you just type it in you know WalterFootball.com and again this is just a mock draft. He has the Colts at seven. Again, I'm not doing mock draft season. There's a time for that. We can do that next week. But he has the Colts taking Bowers. It's one reason I brought it up. And then the other would be he has three defensive ends in the top ten. Really? Three defensive ends in the top ten. Yeah. So, I, I, I am probably defensive end first with the Colts, and I'm and I might be corner second with the Colts. Especially if Kenny Moore's not on the team next year. But I don't think, given that the guys they kind of sold to us this year, I'm not sure they're there in round number one. So I almost go, if you can't get Marvin Harrison Jr., which you probably cannot, you're not going to be that bad, then I'm probably sitting there looking long and hard at defensive end. Can you get someone who is solid in free agency at tight end? I don't think, you don't need Travis Kelsey, but you can't have one catch for nine yards from your tight ends either. You just can't. Your tight end so far this season, Kylan Granson, 16 catches. He has missed a couple of games. Drew Ogletree, nine. Yeah. Mo Cox, five. Will Mallory, three. And there's none of those guys again, that you just nine games. And there's so. none of those guys where you're like, okay, y- you got to keep this guy, right? Like, there's not a young guy there. You're like, it's developing. That's Jelani Woods, and he's missing at least. I mean, he's gonna miss the entire season with a hamstring injury. Can't believe Alec Pierce played every snap last week and didn't have a catch. Are you? <laughs> I mean, that's like <laughs> you said. That's not great. Are you? Can you imagine telling someone before the game, "Hey, um, this guy's going to play sixty-two snaps. Uh, the over/under on him making a catch is a half catch. You're going to take the over, the under." I mean, you, I mean, you take the over. Hammer yeah. the over. I get yeah. sixty-two I chances. I, I, I know. Yeah. I mean, we had two targets. Got to get right. a screen pass catch at some point, some right? Point. When I followed Kentucky football, that was always the joke that the wide receivers had to be good blockers so they could run the football, and that's all that mattered. That's and, what Navy uh, does. And that's, yeah, that's you know, Pierce, you know, why well, he's a hell of a blocker. It, Drew chimes <laughs> in. He goes, the only reason I wouldn't take an edge rusher is because of Chris Bauer's track record with evaluating well, that's fair. them. Uh-huh. I'd want wide out, uh, but now that Pittman and Downs are set, Brock Bowers is essentially a tight end. I I understand the rationale, but just because you swung and missed doesn't mean you ignore you stop, it. You, doesn't mean you stop swinging. Yeah, yeah I you got to keep swinging. If you want to be glass half full, he's going to hit at some point, right? I, I just that is such a vital position to me. And you know, corner. You know, part of me is like, okay, Juju Brents, Jalen Jones, Kenny Moore, draft one in what round three. You know, make sure right. you still put something. You know, Dallas Flowers come back the torn Achilles. I don't know if I'm hold my breath there. Hell, you go find a free agent if you want to bolster that. I would have edge rusher and pass catcher on a tier above corner right now. Last thing on this, and Mark, this affects you. Uh-huh. And it affects me, okay? okay? 
The Car- uh, the uh, Carolina, the Arizona Cardinals are doing what? Starting Kyler Murray. And, and, and they're getting James Conner back. And, and they're too. getting James Conner back. The Arizona Cardinals are going to win enough games here to where they're going to absolutely jeopardize being the number one overall pick. Absolutely, they're going to win some games. Scotty has a Chargers jersey on. I like it. Of a quarterback that made a lot of money in his NFL career. Any guesses? Chargers quarterback made a lot of money. I do not think of this individual as a Charger. I don't know what I think hmm. of him, honestly. Hmm. He's now doing some like... Um, I'm doing some Googling, but he, he's number seven. He's now doing like some quarterback evaluations, right? Scotty, I think I've seen him make some radio rounds. Yep. Really, a <laughs> I, col- I, I would qualify as a college legend. I'll let you think of it. Oh, okay. Now no, I know who it is. Now you know it. Yeah, okay. I know who it I'll is. I'll let you think yeah. of it a little bit during the morning checkdown. We'll uh, end it with that. Let's begin the morning checkdown with some basketball. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Yeah, obviously, we've been talking a lot about it. 152-111 Pacers over the Spurs last night. Rick Carlisle, who joined us an hour and a half ago, got win number 19. Victor Wembignana, not one of his better games. Just 13 points, 25% from the field. Pacers did a good job on defense. Here's Carlisle postgame. Force in the game on him. You know, both vertical force with, with running as well as, you know, as much as much horizontal force just you know to not allow his center of gravity to get biased he gets biased he's just gonna you know put his whole arm in the rim you know mm-hmm. on a dunk it's just I haven't, I haven't seen anything like it no no one has you know he's a you know he's an amazing young player and he's a he is a great player right now uh four and three now on the year the pacers again it'll be the jazz and the bucks as they conclude this homestand all right, last night, college basketball got underway. Locally, you had Purdue over Samford. It was a route for the Boilermakers in that one. Easy cover there. A 98-45. to Zach Eady, 16-11. Four guys in double figures. Curious to watch Lance Jones, the transfer from Southern Illinois. Does he give Purdue... Uh, a little bit of something different this season. Did a little bit of everything last night for for them. So curious to watch him this season. Butler over Eastern Michigan. A big second half for the Bulldogs in that one. They scored uh, 60 points in the second half. So much needed for Butler uh, after last season. Notre Dame struggled for quite a while with Niagara. Marcus Burton, the freshman, the Mr. Basketball from Penn High School. Uh, He set a freshman record for Notre Dame. 29 points in his debut. I know many listeners have asked if I would take my shirt off today. (laughs) I'm going to be a humble. I'm not going to overreact to a win over Greg Paulus like that. But I was very happy to see Michael Shrewsbury get a W in his debut. I love how Mark's like, we're moving on. And, yeah. and I and listen, I couldn't agree with you more. Same wavelength. Uh, week uh, week my, nine. If Notre Dame beats a top 10, <laughs> yeah, 15 we'll talk team about this it. year, my shirt will be off. That's fine. Let's get Shrewsbury Wait, on the was, show. What was that caveat? What was it? Top 10 or 15 team this year, my okay. shirt will be off. I need to make sure my PTO is up to speed. They're at Marquette, right? In a few weeks, <laughs> mm-hmm. that might be their first Better submit that. that. Uh, Chargers... Michigan State, by the way, lost last yes, night. Yes, they Top did. Five team James going Madison. James Madison. Yeah, number four in the country, Tom Izzo. Uh, Jets, they fall to the Chargers 27-6 last night. Chargers now 4-4. Four and four. Jets 4-4 four and four on the season. And Mark Dighton very happy as Craig Council named the new manager there mm-hmm. with the Chicago Cubs. That's right, yeah. Big he, deal. 
Yeah, very big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, very expensive deal. Apparently, the highest. Apparently, he uh, forty the mil. Cu- the Cubs offer doubled that of the Brewers' offer for Craig Council's yeah. services, and then the Mets apparently just. Hired like the Bat Boy for the Yankees or something? Is that what happened? Well, they hired the hitting coach, and the bat Yankees boy. the Yankees haven't been able to hit. They fired one hitting coach in the middle of the season. Mark calls him the Bat Boy. That's <laughs> nah, just the hitting coach. The Reds. The Bat know, Boy. The Reds doing Reds things. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? It's November. Who cares about baseball? We're going to talk about Craig Council so much when it gets baseball time. I'm going to be so tired talking about Notre him. Dame product, by the way, Craig Council. Uh, lastly, Colts day off today. Again, Wednesday walkthrough here in Indy. Thursday practice here in Indy. Red eye to Germany. If you missed it earlier, Melanie Lowe, director of football ops. Uh, a lot goes into this trip to Germany. She joined us a little bit earlier. She and Rick Carlisle will be up on the podcast a little bit later today. You make anything of a Sammy Watkins workout for the Colts? No, I don't, uh, but I'm worried that with the looming, you know, with the trip and then, you know, really exiting the game so fast, Josh Downs, I guess I'm not feeling very good about him playing on Sunday, right. and this is a game, you know, that I need this team to get to 5-5. Five and five. This, is, this is a bad Patriots team, worst team in the AFC. They cannot score, and Josh Downs is a big deal. To me, he's a – him and Pittman, those are just two guys you can't lose. There's no wide receiver depth, so, I, I mean, I don't know, Sammy Watkins – to me, I feel like it's not nine years ago with him, but Can you I, I don't know who's the out there. five teams Sammy Watkins has played for in his NFL career? Ravens, right? Who did he get drafted by? Why am I, why am I blanking on what Sammy Watkins... Oh, come on. Why, why am I blanking the on Sammy Watkins' career? Sammy Watkins oh, I know, I love Sammy Watkins when he was at he was Clemson. He was a Buffalo Bill. He was a Buffalo Bill, so I know two of them. No, I, I don't know the others. Give them to me. I'm terrible at Mark, this. Mark, you got anything? Say that again. Sammy Watkins. Five teams for Sammy Watkins. The Bills, the Dolphins. Oh the boy, we're already off the edge. Are we? Ravens was one, you right? You guys don't remember him as a chief at all? I was getting there. Oh, yeah. Building my, I, I re- building my team. I remember him as a Ram. I don't remember him a as a Ram. I just looked go. it up. I don't remember him as a Green Bay Packer at all. 13 catches in nine games to the Packers last season. Packers three catches suck. in three games for the Ravens. He is 30 years old, safe to say. Uh, nice start to his career, but definitely did not live up to number four overall pick. Well, he's one of those guys you're Billy. surprised that Mike Williams was better than him. Mike Williams has had a better career than right. than Sammy Watkins, Boy, and Watkins that's a surprise. Was so fun to watch at Clemson. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, yeah. So and, Colts, that, and now they don't believe in NIL. Jake Query. Yeah, have fun with that. Colts Friday seven and five four visit. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> my Irish cannot beat them. All right, and it's time for a pop quiz. Three one seven two three nine ten seventy for that. We'll do that on the other side. Uh, yes, the Sweeney's had another. Took the wife's car to Jiffy Lube last week. It's fantastic. It's like Great eight minutes. Service. Eight minutes in and out done. Boom. There you go. Outstanding. They're always like, do you want to sit in the, our waiting room? I'm like, no, I'll just sit in the car. I don't know if that's weird or not. Like, no, it's, it's only like seven, eight minutes, ten minutes. I'll just sit in the car. Uh, all right, pop quiz time, 239-1070. How do you want to do this, KB? You want to do the, uh, you want to you wanna tell us which car or do you want me to pick? Boy, I'm pick? looking at the pop quiz. Gosh. How you feeling about it? I feel good. Two, uh, number two, though, Scotty. I don't. Know. That's the one. <laughs> it, really um, is. it really is. Let's the one. go that's with the blank you question of the day. And usually that's saved for like number five. I know. I know. I was but surprised. now it's number two, which I appreciate. And maybe it's just the answer, Scotty, more than anything yeah. for that one. Uh, let's go with what do we got? Four and five, Colt. Let's go with number four. Matt. Matt, good morning, sir. How are you? You ready to roll? 
Yes, sir. How are we doing, gentlemen? Good. Matt, not to get too personal, did you vote today? Ooh. I have not yet, but I will before I head out of town. I was curious what. I thought traffic was a little extra uh, on your commute in. Did you, you experience so? anything today? No, I don't know. I, I no, just felt like a couple no, I, you know, schools you pass, churches you pass, kind of typically where voting sites are. I know it's a little bit more parking lot action. No, from Irvington to here, uh, didn't see many cars at all. Actually, I Straight thought I thought there, there was there was nothing going on. Yeah, there's nothing going on. Are you you go get the you you the kind of guy that wears the, the rock the sticker? He rocks the sticker when he yeah. goes to vote later on today. I would probably just give it to Rosie. Okay. Yeah, uh, you Matt, you a college <laughs> basketball fan at all? Oh, yes. Fan of who? Uh, well, this is Ains Dance, Ball State, of oh, course. Gosh, of course. Matt, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. Heading down to Monty for the opener tonight. So. W- w- where is the opener? Uh, Monty, the Fighting Maple Leaves of Goshen. Nice. Okay. Goshen here. Uh, how have, uh, how's scrimmage life? How's the uh, offseason gone for Zane? Uh, good, good. Yeah, surgery and, and missed a couple months of practice. Had a stress fracture for most of last year, actually. Yeah, he they found so, but we're good. He played through that, didn't he, last year? Yes. yes yeah, I was yes. going to say. Yeah, Ball State getting things underway here this week. Gosh, no one wants to schedule Ball State. I'm scrolling through their non-conference schedule. Everyone's <laughs> afraid of Michael Lewis's team. I wish all the Indiana schools would play each other. Now, and I said this before. Agreed. My son went to Ball State, but there's no reason that these. That these schools don't play each other. Absolutely not. Totally agree. I agree. Now, we're getting, correct me if I'm wrong, we're going to get Ball State at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, right? They're going to play before Purdue and Arizona this year? Yeah, they play Indiana State. The Saturday, I think it's the 16th or around there, whatever that Saturday is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. There, at the very least, it should be a rotation. You know, if you're willing to play, I mean, you know, Purdue's willing to play a Samford team that won their conference last year. I think Florida Gulf Coast, who Indiana's playing, is a decent team. I just think there's scar tissue from all of these teams having lost to some of the mid-major schools in the state. Well, Matt, always good to hear your voice. Good luck to Zane. Hope he stays healthy. And uh, Andy, you want to throw number one at him? All right, uh, let's get it going. Question number one. Pacers, Rick Carlisle picked up regular season coaching win number 900 in last night's blowout over the Spurs with Doc Rivers currently without a team. That means Carlisle is the second winningest active head coach only behind last night's opponent, Greg Popovich. Who is third on that list? Is it Steve Kerr, Frank Vogel, Eric Spolstra, Tom Thibodeau? Ooh. <laughs> Kerr, Vogel, Spolstra, Thibodeau. I would say Thibodeau because he's going to run longer. How about one more guess here? Just give you a mulligan. Yeah. yeah. He probably would have partied a little harder given the city that he coaches yeah. in than Rick Carlisle did last night. Uh, there you go. Matt, uh, way to be humble, by the way. You didn't tell us that Zane was the second leading scorer in Ball State's exhibition win over Rose Holman here. He was. He was. Come on now. Humility hey. through the roof yeah, here. Stop with the humility. I, I think Floyd Badunga still uh, <laughs> sees Zane and is asleep here over what happened in the state final game. All right, number two, Kenny Moore, first player in Colts franchise history to take two picks back for touchdowns and did that obviously against the Panthers. The Colts were on the receiving end once in their franchise history. Name the player who had two pick sixes in one game against the Colts. If it helps you at all, came off Jack Trudeau and Tom Tupa. 
Rondé uh, Barber, Otis Smith, Dick Anderson, or Henry Jones? <laughs> well, it's not Barber because he wasn't a brown back then. Uh, let's go with Jones, and that's just a complete Yes, of Henry Jones, who was also, what, our 12th president? Doesn't he sound like the 12th president? I love president? the name Tom Tupa. It's an old school football he name. Punter? Yes, he was. Pick six on a fake punt? Nope. He, no, he, he was a quarterback before you. Oh, punter. my gosh. All right, question number we need three. more of those. We do. Houston C.J. Stroud threw for 470 yards, and the Texans win over the Bucks on Sunday. That's a new NFL record for most passing yards in a game by a rookie. Who holds the record for the most passing yards by a rookie in an entire NFL season? Is it Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert, Dan Marino? Manning, Luck, Herbert, or Marino? Who holds the record for the most passing yards by a rookie quarterback for an NFL season? Uh, Number four here, Matt. MSU, that would be fourth-ranked Michigan State, lost to James Madison last night at the Breslin Center. It's the first time an AP Top 10 men's basketball team has lost its season opener against an unranked opponent since 2005. Who was the last to do it? Michigan State, Texas, Connecticut, or Villanova? Hmm. Uh, I'm struggling today. Let's go with the Spartans again. I think I remember they were struggling. Let's go with the Spartans. Not this. Boy, Matt's good. throwing darts at a board. Yeah, he Matt's knows doing what he's pretty doing good. Here. All right, question number five. Taysom Hill had a receiving touchdown in the Saints' win over the Bears on Sunday. Hill is just the fifth player in NFL history to have at least 10 passing touchdowns, 10 receiving touchdowns, and 10 rushing touchdowns in his career. Who was the last player to have 10 passing, receiving, and rushing touchdowns in a career? Was it Walter Payton, Cordell Stewart, Frank Gifford, Charlie Trippy. I like that. Uh, I want to say Cordell, but man, I remember Peyton. They used to throw him every once in a while. Oh, uh, let's just go with Cordell. Matt, do we have a friendly wager for Ben Davis Cathedral Friday night? Uh. <laughs> I, I think we're going to, just like on the basketball court, I think we're going to go. Oh, boy, that was a bit of a dig there. <laughs> boy, did you go to the Brownsburg game? I did not. Um, it sounded like a hell of a it, comeback. It was. I, I was watching, and I thought it was over till Mark Zachary, probably one of the greatest athletes in Ben Davis history, spilled the win. So. Yeah, that is saying something, but he seems to certainly have already lived up to that hype. All right, uh, pretty good effort, honestly, on the pop quiz. I thought the hardest questions he got right. Uh, number one, who is third on the list in active wins behind uh, Popovich and Carlisle? It is Eric Spolster. The guy's a winner. Was that from the press conference too, Mark? <laughs> the guy's a winner. Yes. One year ago today, Frank Jeff Wright Saturday. fired. Jeff Saturday hired Jim Irsay. On one? Is that safe to say? That was one of the more fascinating press... It was like... Wasn't it like 7 p.m.? Oh, I think it was later oh, than that. That's one of those where you know that everyone else in the country is looking at you and saying, what the hell? It was one of the nights where like <laughs> no one was watching Monday Night Football. They all were watching <laughs> that press conference and just could not believe the actions. It was a two-TV night, and it was Monday yeah, Night uh-huh. Football and the Jim Irsay Colts press, press conference. conference. It's one of those where I think like the Colts digital team goes back and it's like, should we have streamed that live? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's your fan base. And especially if your owner loves Jeff Saturday, it's a, it's a conquering son coming home. Just go back and look at Chris Ballard. Just still shots of him in that press conference. <laughs> that was the more hectic 24 hours in my radio career. Uh, number two, how about Henry Jones? You know how many shots Michael Jordan's missed? You know how many games Michael Jordan's lost? <laughs> and then what was the other one that Matt got right? Was it oh, Michigan State? Oh, goodness. Yeah, you got Michigan State. Sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. The ones he got wrong, uh, who holds the record for the most passing yards by a rookie quarterback in an NFL season? That was actually Andrew Luck, 4,374. And then the final question, the last player to have 10 passing, receiving, and rushing touchdowns in a career, I probably would have said Cordell Stewart as well. That's wrong. It was Frank Gifford in 1957. Good job, man. Well, I say we end with, oh, with this. It. You guys can follow me. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hold on. <laughs> we will. We will. Rock you. We will. We will. Rock you. It's one of the highlights of Hard Knocks. Man, I'll tell you what. We need the Colts to get on a win streak just to see more of the postgame. Ursay Meek Mill. Oh, Ursay will have gold after every single win. That was the We Will Rock You remix, mm-hmm. Andy, from a couple of years ago on Hard Knocks. I remember. Uh, Colts over 49ers, if I remember. Yeah. That was the, what they call it? The mon- It wasn't a monsoon. A bomb cyclone. Bo- was it a boom cyclone or a bomb cyclone? Bomb cyclone. It's quite the weather night. Jim Ursay's remix of Queen right there. Yeah, Jim Ursay singing Queen. We had Jake putting on makeup because the Hard Knocks cameras kept coming mm-hmm. in every other week. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was his best. You know, he really perked up when they oh, came yeah. in studio. Steve Trout, do I look? Do I look all right? Well, Jake's a TV guy at heart, right? He is right. Yeah. So well, he, he always he ha- probably say radio at heart, well, but he, he certainly has he always TV has background. A, but he always has a he always has a little mascara in the backpack just in case, right? Little blush. I would venture to guess, yes. Something like that. Uh, we'll do it one final time here. It's the wake up <laughs> call, KB and Andy. All right, fun show on this Tuesday morning. You missed any uh, any of it? 1075thefan.com or wherever you download your podcast. Check out the YouTube as well. Query and company coming your way at noon. Uh, Jake is not back as of yet, right? Maybe Pick one more day. Maybe one yeah. more day. They'll travel back for uh, Jake Query, if you will. JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. If you miss any uh, of our conversation, here, whether it be pro, obviously Colts, Pacers, or the colleges. We had Mulaney Lowe on from the Colts, and Rick Carlisle joined us in the 8 o'clock hour, his normal Tuesday spot with us here on the wake-up call. You miss any of that, 1075thefan.com. You know, I just got looking quickly before we get out of here. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, the back-to-back for the Colts, Utah, and then Milwaukee. So I just went because I hate, I understand the NBA, this happens, but I always love when the other team is also on a back-to-back. And, and they the also, Bucks are, right? And, and the Bucks are on a back-to-back. Yeah. On Wednesday, they get Detroit at home, and then they make the short trip here to Indianapolis. So that, uh, I mean, obviously it affected the Spurs. We saw it affect the Cleveland game early in the season. I thought it affected Saturday night even, perhaps with some of the role players with the Pacers on that back-to-back. So good to see that both teams will be kind of dealing with some of the same stuff, uh, except the Pacers don't have to get on an airplane. Well, it's a good thing as well. Milwaukee's got to travel, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that game starts an hour later. If you really want to get it's NBA TV, I think into too. the nitpicky with the the Bucks and their travel here to Indiana for their first matchup 
on Thursday. Also, the Pacers start next week. Uh, they'll have Philly twice in three days. The NBA, I think, has kind of adopted a little bit of this uh, to help out kind of scheduling and shorten the travel. They'll play at Philly on Sunday, and then again they'll play at Philly on Tuesday. So they'll obviously just stay in Philadelphia for that. By the way, Rick, Rick Carlisle is going to continue to join us on Tuesdays, even at, even if they play on Tuesdays, or even if um, you know there might be a time or two we'll have to adjust. But Tuesdays at 8 o'clock, that's going to be Rick Carlisle here. Moving forward again tonight, Indiana. That is a 6.30 tip. I believe that that's Big Ten Network. But it is. You can't air that for some reason. Our coverage on WIBC uh, at 5.30. An angry Brewers fan has vandalized Craig Council Park. <laughs> uh, he vandalized the sign <laughs> in Whitefish Bay. Yes. And all he spray painted was yes. the word ass. <laughs> on I, love, I love sports. That's college football stuff. And it I really love is. That. That's SEC Major football. Baseball needs more of that. That's SEC. That's like Tennessee when they paint the rock after one of their coaches leaves. Dude, I just tweeted it out. It's, it's hilarious. Oh, like, don't we great. have to get Connor Stallions just as a fan at an Ohio State game here in the next couple weeks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, don't we need that for college football? I, I would love to see Connor Stallions in the crowd at just any game. Just a random college football game. But he kind of looks like every other guy. <laughs> Doesn't he? Uh, Indiana has Illinois coming up. Uh, they need to win Ooh. out to go to a bowl game. Purdue has got Minnesota uh, this weekend, college football-wise. Notre Dame, it is a bye week. Penn State, Michigan, though. That's a big one. Michigan That's traveling the to Happy Valley. Everybody enjoy this weather. Have a great Tuesday. We'll recap a little Indiana tomorrow and look ahead to the Pacers and Colts.